With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the first rock and roll of 2022. New year, same old shit. Uh, joining me this week, rumours are it that he might be the child that Andrea Lucicero out deliver in Sicily. Ryan Wall is here. How are you doing, Ray? Yeah, not bad. Um, if I was that baby, I was a baby at 13 years of age when he delivered it. But anyway, I don't think I'd be... <laughs> I don't think I, I'd be... I, whoa, whoa. If you're going to do a showbiz age as well, you're meant to make yourself younger, not older. No, I would have been 13. It was in 1995. 1999, I would have been 13. <laughs> right, hang on now. Right, I'm gonna, I don't want to, no spoilers or anything, but you're going to do this story later. And he said 1995. No wonder you can't find this fucking kid for him. <laughs> you don't even know how old he is. Maybe I'm wrong then. <laughs> right, you've got until we can, I'm going to catch up with our guest and then you've got until then to search it out and have a look. <clears throat> and also joining us, a man who was a veteran of the war on Christmas refuses to acknowledge New Year, so it perpetually exists in the past, so he's the perfect guest for the Welsh Rugby Podcast. Rory Boyd is with us. How are you doing, Rory? Hey, good evening. Not too bad. A bit worried about how old Ryan is now. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think someone who's like 12 years old should have a kid like that. 1995. I was, I was nine. Yeah, not 1999. Yeah, it still would have been a fucking big baby at nine, wouldn't I? Well, but I'm just trying to, I'm just saying that's all. If you're trying to help hunt down a child, it's at least, you know, get his age range, right? <laughs> no wonder you can't find It'd him. It'd be easier to find him if he's 13, though. <laughs> well, I think he's older than I know. I, I'm not doing the maths. I'm not getting into the maths. 27. Did, have we all had uh, nice Christmases, New Year's? We've not <clears throat> spoken since. Um, very mixed for me. It was a, a very enjoyable Christmas because... Um, got to spend it with my new partner and met a lot of her family. Um, however, my son did have COVID for the second time this year and was in isolation with his mum, so I didn't get to see him. That's now been rectified, and I've unfortunately had to see him and say, spend another Christmas with him. Um, yeah, it's what we got apart from He said the same thing to me when I seen him. Yep. 
What about you, Ro? How did yours go? I don't really do Christmas, so this year was pretty good because I didn't have to do anything. Just sat on my own watching telly for four days, which is uh, it's better than having to do Christmas. So yeah. Well, I ended up having two Christmases as well because obviously Emily's living down here. You know she's moved from. So we did Christmas on Christmas Day with my kids and my mother and father, and we played games and all sorts of shit. And then we travelled up on Boxing Day to Newcastle. And then um, we went out in, well, close enough to Newcastle. We went out in Newcastle between Christmas and New Year. And uh, we went for a wander and ended up in a brew dog because morally now I've decided I, I can't fight these battles, so I'm just going to fucking drink the drink. And uh, Emily said, I'm just going to nip to the toilet. And in the two minutes she was gone, I entered us into a quiz. We won the quiz, won £40 in the bar, had a free raffle, won the raffle, Played higher or lower and won that as well. So we left it with five bags of drink to the point of like we had to get in mother to come pick us up because we couldn't walk back. To where we were. So uh, yeah, all in all, not a bad one. Came back for New Year and uh, yeah, it's it's not been too bad. So how's dry January going? It's going fantastic. I was going to say, have we got any New Year's resolutions? Because uh, n- none of mine's working out. Well, you're nodding. You're not. No, you're shaking. You uh, uh, yeah yeah no. It's I feel like we're doing a quiz. I'm not doing dry January. Right. However, doing most February. No, not specifically, but I have not had any alcohol since Boxing Day, and I'm going to see how long I go. But I've not had it since Boxing Day. I, I don't think that much. Anyway. I would say you're doing dry January. No, no, I'm going to go like <laughs> I'm just going to do it. Not, not like I'm not stop. You're doing dry 2022. And well, maybe even ever. Mate. We'll see. We'll see what happens. This sounds like what happened to me. I did November once by mistake. I just didn't shave for a whole month. <laughs> Part of the reason I'm, is my thinking behind it was I was still up at half past four on um, the morning of the 27th, so the day after Boxing Day, at half past four, still playing Ring of Fire that we'd started at eight o'clock on Boxing Night. Um, rather right. smashed, right. had gone through, I think, between the four. There were other us. people there, yeah? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't just me. I wasn't losing constantly, just doing chugs. Um, oh, another two fingers for me. <laughs> so to speak. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think I went through more um, alcohol between the four of us that day than probably uh, most Weatherspoons do in, in a normal Friday night. So, yeah, I'm just trying to not drink for a bit. Well, fair play. Good luck to you, man. I, I don't you how we do it. I, I say good luck to you as I'm as I'm drinking from a can. Yeah. Fantastically called um, apocalyptic thunder juice, which is a, a strong bold name to live up to. I got to be honest, it's a very <laughs> nice can, but apocalyptic thunder juice is. You're putting a lot of pressure on yourself for that, I think. Well, that's it. And I'm, I'm also having that conversation about 15 minutes after getting home from my girlfriend's. And le- when I brought what I brought home was a bag I'd left it at Christmas. And that bag is currently full of alcohol. So that might be an issue. Um, and it's about <clears throat> six feet away from me at the moment. So I might have to dip into it by the end of the pod, I think. Will we be talking about the Cardiff game in a bit? So you might need that drink then. I think <laughs> yeah, that probably. Yeah. Shall we uh, dive straight into some news then? Yep. This is the news. I, I love that we always call this bit the news, and I go, this is the news, and then inevitably the first story I pick is like, there is no news on this situation. <laughs> so the not news, it's a bit like the blues. They're not. <laughs> I approach it the same way as Cardiff and the Blues situation. It may be news, it may be blues. Who knows what's going on? 
Uh, the Six Nations, basically, no one knows what the fuck's happening. It could, it, it may be happening in the regular grounds, it may be happening in One Nation, it may be happening with fans, it may be happening without fans. Who knows? Uh, Louis Rees-Amit's thrown his weight behind this saying that rugby isn't rugby without fans, which is particularly bad because he's played like the majority of his international career without fans. Like he played in all Six Nations, he won a Six Nations with no fans. It doesn't count. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. saying it doesn't count. I have to go Louis back. Louis is saying that's not rugby. What, what we know is everything else is rugby because world rugby taught us that. It doesn't matter how many people you put in a scrum, how many people are on the pitch, what you decide to do. Maybe you'll have lineouts, maybe you won't. It's all rugby, but no fans, according to Louis it isn't. So yep. you need a ball and some fans for it to be rugby, is what we know. Yep. Uh, Jason Tavi's also thrown his, his weight behind the cause and called out the Welsh government for. What they feel was still like stranding Cardiff in South Africa, which I kind of get. Like, there was the issue with uh, players who had tested positive, but the players who hadn't tested positive, like, they were treated a bit shit. Do we, th- what do we think we're going to see then? What's, what, what's the realistic, how's the Six Nations going to look this year? I, in Jersey. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jersey has now become the rugby capital of the world. That's just where you go. If you can't if you can't work out what's going on, take it to Jersey. I think at least <clears throat> at least Scotland and Wales will play their games in England. Um, Scotland probably. I, say, I like the way you said. Newcastle. I think at least Scotland and Wales will play their games in England, but not England. No, you know, like <laughs> obviously, but like I don't I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know if they'll potentially look to make France and Italy come, and Ireland come as well. But I think. You think about it realistically. Wales could use Ashton Gate as a big enough stadium um, for a home ground. You're going to get 25, 30, 30,000, etc. in there. <laughs> I don't think that's. I think and it's more Newcastle. likely to be further away because if you put it on the doorstep, you're encouraging everyone to go out. I know well, that they they want you to travel, I guess, because they want to sell tickets. But I think also, if the reason they can't play in Wales is public health reasons then saying, but you can, you know, get on the train for 20 minutes and watch it there instead. I just don't necessarily think that's going to fly. Well, I don't know who can stop them, but it seems like that's a very irresponsible way of going about it. Well, this is the thing. I, I don't think for a second that the WRU were genuinely considering this anyway. I think it's bollocks. They said this, if you remember as well, during that COVID cup thing and then ended up playing them all at home. So they've talked about taking them to uh, Spurs' stadium and to the Olympic Stadium or whatever West Ham's is called. Um, obviously, they've gone, what we'll do is, if Mark Drakeford doesn't let us do it, we'll just put it right in the epicentre of, of the plague. We'll go straight into, you know, like um, 28 days later, like as if they're going to be playing a outside Westminster mm-hmm. on um, that shot of uh, Killian Murphy just wandering around in his hospital scrubs. Um, I think it's just up a pressure on Drakeford. Well, we'll we'll do this if you don't give us what we want. If you don't give us a bit of money and and some fans in the stadium, we're going to move straight into the the epicentre of this. And then who knows who might come and who might come back and who knows how far this could spread rather than just having it in the stadium. So I think that's the... I can't see for one second them playing in London. I can't see the SRU moving any games to Newcastle, which is a massive shame to me because I said Emily is from the northeast and we would have travelled up and I would have gone to watch a game at St James's Park. I would have thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, but I think Newcastle have got two home games 
straight after the Scotland games anyway, haven't they? So I'm not sure, but even looking at it, you've got you have big stadiums in Newcastle, Sunderland, and Middlesbrough, don't you up there? So it's any one of the three, or even mix and match, potentially would potentially could or would work. Um, all of which are at least I think 35, 40,000 stadium. I know it's not as big as Murrayfield, but it's going to get a decent crowd as well, isn't it? No, play it at the gates at Thunderdome. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I just I can't see any fucking way. So obviously, Drakeford's way of stopping people crossing the border before was to shut down individual boroughs and counties, which, as someone who lives in a valley, was a fucking nonsense. Mm. I, I couldn't go to my local supermarket because it's closer, but it's in another county, so I had to travel further to go to the I mean, Let's be honest, I fucking didn't because that's more yeah. and stupid. There's absolutely <laughs> exactly. no way I travelled further to go to the thing. I went to the one that's just over the mountain. But like that was his way of trying to stop people travelling into Wales before we say, oh, well, you can come into Wales, but then you can't actually cross that, that fucking border. So back you go. Mm. Because he can't close down national borders, but he can't close down borough ones. So it was a load of fucking nonsense. So unless he starts bringing those in again, which I, is going to cause a lot of hassle, if they do move it to England, then I think that they'll people will go. Like there's no doubt about it, people mm. will go to the game. I just can't see it happening. I can't see the WRU and that Drakeford's already made it clear, well, if you want some fucking money because you fucked up, then you better do as I say. I think it's just a, a bit of leverage, a bit of negotiation tool between the two of them. The only thing I can think of is is, is if they do some kind of if it is London, is they do some kind of deal where they club it, whereas they go like if Wales are at home and we ticket sales everything we have at home for our home games, we, it's done and we have everything for Cardiff. Now, obviously, nothing goes to Italy or wherever we're playing. Whether they go like Wembley, Tottenham, West Ham, Twickenham, and all the games that played amongst those four, like you, they all stay in and around or whatever, and then it's yeah, just a case of like even even England, like an England home game could be Wembley and not Twickenham, blah blah, and they just like they mix it up or whatever, and then you just play all the games in the four. That could work. I don't um, think that can happen because I'm pretty sure for sponsorship reasons that all Ireland games have to happen at Lansdowne Road. Like, it's it's not officially an Ireland home test if it's not a Lansdowne Road, which creates issues. Like, I think the restrictions will be finished by the end of the month anyway. But unless they declare this Six Nations is entirely neutral event, um, they might get into some sort of contractual uh, bollocks about that. Uh, because like they, even if as it stands, if they moved, they couldn't move the games to Ravenhill. That would have to be Ireland A if they played them at Ravenhill for some. Because at least before, and I think it's still probably in place of either are like we're giving you a lot of money. All of your games are here. We've said so. Does it does it does it count if they uh, move it to Bristol? Because the guy who owns it's called Lansdowne. Does that count or not? <laughs> unless <laughs> unless he changes his street. name. If they played it on his street, so it was literally <laughs> Lansdowne's Road, would they <laughs> be accepted? No, it'd have to, because they had to make it Aviva Gates. Oh. <laughs> Do you know any anyone called Aviva? Then? <laughs> no. They go on um, an Aviva bus, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we were confused. It's fine. So it's it's going to be difficult. We, yes. I think, I, like, I don't envy anyone who's got to work this shit out. I, there's obviously far more far-reaching things as well. As much as we all want to watch rugby, and I'd love to go to a game this year, and we were eyeing up the Scotland game. Like 
there's people's jobs kind of depend on this as well. Yeah. The hospitality that depends on this stuff. And so I think that's going to be the other issue is if they don't have a gaming card, if they don't let 70,000 people sit in an open stadium because, and it's going to fuck up Wales Online because we already know the roof will have to be open. So that is, that's at least three articles a week that they fucked up. <laughs> but if they're not going to let 70,000 people sit out in the open air, what you're essentially going to get is hundreds of thousand people sat in pubs. Yeah. And so then we're in a situation where have we just made it worse? As as happened with the first Scotland game to get cancelled in in twenty twenty, yeah. like everyone was down already for that game. Then they called it off, and the issue that we had was well, suddenly we've got ten thousand Scotsmen walking around Cardiff with nothing to do. So there's Scottish people in Cardiff. Of course they're gonna fucking drink. So mm-hmm. I think we're gonna create that where people just pour down from the valleys and pour down from far and wide and get fucking pissed instead. So. It's weighing up what's the, the better option anyway. Yeah. Who yeah, fucking knows? Who knows? On a slightly lighter <clears> news front, <throat> Liam Williams is now confirmed that he's leaving Scarlet and going to Cardiff. Very conscious to say that then. Um, well, you've got to be happy about that one. I'm, I'm delighted over it. Um, I think it's a fantastic signing for Blues. Um, Blues. I did it straight away. Blues. Yes! <laughs> Um, it's usually um, me. You've gone full Ryan Jones. There'll be people um, all over Twitter calling you out. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a great signing for Cardiff. Um, another tarty back, but a tarty back with genuine world class ability. Um, obviously, he's. I don't he's, think he is a tarty back. He's a back. I don't think he's a tarty, but I think Cardiff will course the tarty into him. Okay. <laughs> I'm talking, he's... yeah. He's a plain back now, but give him a couple of years of Cardiff. I'll give him a couple of months of Cardiff Arms Park and he'll be as tarty as they come. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's just a great signing. Like, it's, he's, he's clearly, I'm not saying he's there to replace Hallam Amos because we know, like, technically they play the same positions and stuff, but he's, if they were, if you had both in the squad, Liam's going to play, isn't he, over him anyway? Um, but I think it's a great signing. Like, <clears throat> I think it's also good that um, Liam's been given permission by his. Fiance to play for the Scarlet for the rest of the season. <laughs> I think it's fantastic to see that well, lad they tweet. Get, they get almost a game out of him by now. I know, yeah, I know. That 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 tweet that he sent the other day when that guy was kicking off was probably the best thing I've seen all year. And I know we're only nine days in, but it was fun. It was <laughs> fantastic. It was fantastic. But yeah, no, it's great signing for us. I think I think it's on the cards, and it was for a while. To be honest, it's a case of like, yeah, I think he lives in in and around Cardiff anyway. Travels there. He's got a house in Cardiff. I've I view that he might live uh, near a chip store, but, which yeah, is obviously yeah. where the, the travelling becomes a bit of a twat. Because yeah. if you're travelling Cardiff to Tlingetli, that's not a hell of a travel. Like you're looking over a bit. If you're travelling chip store to Tlingetli, that's a, a bit more of a ball ache. Yeah, that's so it. I, yeah, I, I, I can see. Like, like we said, like he's played four games in two years. So from a Scarlet's point of view, like we, we're losing... A brilliant player, but we're, we're not losing someone who's making a massive difference to the team. Yeah. I, mean, I think it's it's a, one of those moves where it looks like a good move for everyone involved. Like we frees up some space and, and probably some money for Scarlet. It gives the Blues yeah, um, back what we, we needed. And Dan Fish finally gets to retire. Like he finally gets to call it a day, at least until well, the Six Nations rolls round and everyone gets. 
if Liam Williams and Owen Lane gets called up, then he's got to fucking step back in to cover Matthew Morgan on the bench. I, I did hear that they were going to use the whole of the salary that Scarlett gave to Liam Williams to give to Dan Fish to go to Scarlett, to be honest. Coach him, <laughs> out, coach him out, out of um, retirement so he can, uh, he can run your back line. But he'll still be the academy coach at Cardiff. Yeah, that's but, it. Yeah. But playing for the Scarlets. <laughs> Uh, as someone kind of outside of the, the Welsh rugby bubble, Rory, um, what's your feeling on the, the Sanjay move? I, I'm mean? not really, like, if he's not playing, then what difference does it make who he plays for? <laughs> it's just what colour stash he's wearing, isn't it, really? Um, like, I don't know, Cardiff confused me. They just seem to sign players and you go, okay, yeah, he's good, but you've already got someone there. Yeah. You know, so they I- have to have 19 open sides. Because just in case all of them are injured at the same time. Which this was exactly there. what Dar Young said in an interview this week. He was asked the question about how many open sides he's got. And he said, yeah, well, it's a, it's a position where a lot of people get injuries, so we need them all. You know what? All 15 of them. Like, surely. Maybe just get ones something. that are less brittle. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe get ones that are not made out of fiberglass. Yeah. Because <clears throat> they're paying them probably the same amount of money as you'd pay good ones. Um, but what does this mean for Matthew Morgan? Does he is he allowed out of the hotel room now? I think I think what will probably happen is Matthew Morgan will probably become like the new Dan Fish, maybe like he'd play the odd game, oh, some could kind of be on the bench and cover cover a game at ten or fifteen if needs be. Maybe some coaching with the academy. Maybe <laughs> you become like a fan's favourite, like Dan Fish has been, but. Just holding retire- tackle bags going, what's this? Yeah. I've never seen this before. <laughs> and then retire in a couple of years and be called back out when we next have COVID or whatever. I think that's been perpetually the question about Matthew Morgan since Matthew Morgan played under-20s rugby. Like, yeah. What do you do what, with what, him? What happens now with Matthew Morgan? <laughs> like I've, you sent him to Bristol? Okay. Yeah, we sent him to Bristol. What, what happens now with Matthew Morgan? Cardiff? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what happens 10, 15, who knows? Just put him anyway. Like, it, it will at least quell the, and um, this is the only way I can think to describe it, absolute fucking nutcases who were genuinely pushing for Matthew Morgan to start at 10 for Wales at one point. Where you're like, are you, what? 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 <laughs> but you no. do a step. He's a steppy boy. People like that. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what, because Wales still got this thing of everyone has to be Barry John. Like if you ever gone near a Wales ten shirt, you have to. I'm surprised they haven't asked Aaron Ramsey to be the new Barry John just because he's got a red ten shirt on. <laughs> it's fucking ludicrous. Um, so we talked about then the Scarlets freeing up a bit of cash. They've already started to splash that cash with uh, Fafita signing. That's announced absolutely out of the blue. It's a fair play to uh, Stefan Thomas. Absolutely brilliant with the transfer rumours and things like that, because he's very, really wrong with any of them. He's absolutely superb. He breaks a lot of news. Um, as a Scarlet's fan, this is huge for me, like a statement of intent. Our intent seems to be uh, signing as many players as we can from the Hurricanes or who've played for the Hurricanes at some point in their, in their past. But I'm more than happy with that. Fafita's look, I think it, it speaks volumes how many Wasps fans seem genuinely gutted that he's leaving. Has he only just signed as well? He's been yeah. there one season, yeah. He signed a one season deal. No, it was a three year deal, but he's leaving after one. Was it a three year deal? But well, there we yeah. go. He said yeah, a three year deal. Yeah, you only, only signed in the summer, didn't he? He's only literally just joined yeah. them. He's got like 11 games or whatever. Yeah. 
which is still seven more than Sanchez done in two years. <laughs> I was say almost three times as many as Liam Williams. Mm. Liam Williams has played more games in the two years since he left Saracens for the Lions than he has for the Scouts. Maybe that's <laughs> why. Think... Maybe that's why he's joined. He's joining this. Heard that there's not very much work. <laughs> You know, Scarlet's not really yeah, playing. Anymore, does I just kick my, I just kick out, kick my feet up, and enjoy myself. Which team has had the most weeks off? Scarlet's. I'm going there. <laughs> well, to be fair, like I do think that that sort of uh, clouds Liam Williams' stats as well. The fact that, all right, he's only played four games, but Scarlet have only had six. So, <laughs> like, we just had games postponed left, right, and centre. You can't play games if there's no games on. Liam Williams has left to go to Cardiff in the hope that he gets at least one fucking appearance fee. Um, I had the conversation, like, for me as well, for me, it's exactly what the Scarlets need. Like, they didn't replace Jake Ball when Jake Ball left. We've got plenty of, we've got plenty of wingers and fullbacks. So he's exactly what, exactly what we needed. And hang on a second. There we go. He's exactly what we needed to sign in order to be a little bit more like as good as he is, Calamaphony can't do everything that the pack should be doing. Like yeah. he's been amazing, but someone else also has to carry and tackle at some point. Mm-hmm. So uh yeah, big try. I don't know how, how again, non scarlet fans, how you feel about that signing. No, I think it's Yeah, exactly. Like it, it it fits like it's 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 what you need. He's available. Take it, run with it. And for anyone that's going to be trying to defend against him and Calamphony in the same team, good luck. It's kind of the um, opposite of the Cardiff transfer policy, which yeah. seems to be: do we need him? Not particularly, but we'll sign him anyway. No, does he weigh so... seven? <laughs> Do we have lots of these? Yes, excellent. We're collecting them now. <laughs> Play to your strengths. <laughs> yeah, but first Diane's he's just an open side collector. I mean, he he, he does it. so much so that he 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 spawned one. Like that's how desperate he is to get more open sides. Just loves them. Yeah, he, he's he's creating his own literally. That's he it. saw um, he saw my suggestion of a team with eleven locks in it and thought <laughs> we can go higher. <laughs> <laughs> How many sevens can we put in the team? He's created his own sport. Well, everyone's doing it with rugby now. Everyone's trying to create their own version of rugby. Yeah, Die Young is next. But the thing is, though, the problem is it's not all rugby, is it? Like, we all know rugby's not anything without fans. So. <laughs> yes, but if you've got this many open sides, some of them can be in the stands, and therefore they're fans. They create their own fans. Yeah. My God. Do you know this man's thought of everything? He's thought of everything. Have a giant squad, and then some of them can cheer on. <laughs> um, we've also got a lot of, again, for our new segment, things that are not yet news. Um, pre-news. Pre-news. News in the making. Mm-hmm. Um, Bradley Roberts is uh, the first one. So the rumours are that Bradley Roberts is uh, going to the Dragons. Obviously, the 60 cap rule means that if he wants to keep playing for Wales, he has to play in Wales. Rory, I'm going to go to you first on that one because uh, obviously you've got a connection to, to Bradley yourself. Yeah, like he has to leave. It's a sad fact, but he does have to leave Ulster. He's out of contract at the end of the year and there won't be another one because um, 
of the fact that he's now foreign. This is new, new, new. He's newly Welsh, and therefore, um, I mean, technically, he could be re-signed, but I think getting permission for like a second choice hooker is not necessarily where the where the smart money's going. Um, but he's the sort of player that I think will will bolster whoever he goes to. Presume, presuming he goes to one of those two clubs, um, because he just he's not an open side flanker. I'm not a not a fullback. <laughs> you know, he, he'll carry hard. He just generally puts himself about. He's got the largest thighs in the world. Um, I don't know how that happened, but for some reason they're his. So, like, be it the Dragons, be it Cardiff, it's like he's the sort of person that I think it'd be of value for them to have. And I just hope that he stays a pro next year by finding one of them. Yeah, but they say, yeah, if not, then. Essentially, Win Pivak may have made him homeless because if if Ulster can't offer him a new contract and no regions come in for him, he's essentially out of work. And then, where does that leave you? Like, I, I don't even know. Maybe maybe Sean Ollie could teach him the guitar and he'd become a busker, or like I don't know where. where no, Sean Holly only coaches international tens and become lions. Oh, only only Daniels. Is there any money in being a Keith Lemon impersonator? <laughs> I, well, I guess he's already an impersonator. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, so he's like impersonator exception. <laughs> Just the next level down. Um, yeah. Maybe him and, and Tom Francis can set up the mullet of destruction and, and do the wrestling circuit. <laughs> Start like off in local leisure centres and then work your <laughs> way up. I don't know what else he could call. Uh, dragons seem the likely... Um, Destination for him. Obviously, Elliot D is starting. Not going there. I'm assuming like Richie Abad playing on until he's 96 isn't really an option. So if you're going to lose that fantastic main of hair, then you need to replace it with another one. And so Bradley Roberts is the the obvious option now that Zarevsky's retired. Like oh, there's there's no other hookers with a fantastic haircut today. Zarevsky's hair has gone backwards as well. Mm. He's well, got that sensible. happens to men of a certain age, doesn't it? It's, it's, no, it's, but like it's not, it's still there, but he's done like a ponytail now rather than the flowing locks. It's it's not the same. I um I've not seen him recently, to be he's, honest. He's Rassing's something or other coach. He coaches them in some way, probably their yeah. hair care. Coach. Forward or scrum or whatever, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> he's one of them. He's yeah. their uh he's their hair coach. Yeah. <laughs> Teaching them how to pull that perfect quiff at the front. He puts the conditioning in for them. <laughs> Conditioner coach. That's a great that might be the name of strength and conditioning. <laughs> um so Obviously Kevin it, O'Burns still exists, sorry. If you if you want the, the last locks, Kevin O'Burns um, is out of contract at the end of the year and is L'Oreal's representative in rugby. But Probably as not. far as we can see, not uh, not got any Welsh parentage, so we're gonna have to have to turn it down. No, probably he doesn't sound very Welsh. I don't think Bradley Roberts does, or does he? I've never used him. I know, but the surname Roberts sounds pretty Welsh. That does. I will accept that, and the fact he's ginger kind of adds to the Celticness of him. Yeah, I can't. Um, depending at what point of the week you last checked the Twitter. Fekatoa is either absolutely not going to Munster or definitely going to Munster. 
Well, I've only seen this myself in the last hour, hour and a half, and I read it as he's definitely going. However, the post I read, I'm not trying to find it as, as we're talking, I don't know whether it was posted today or not, but I only read it today. <laughs> it's, it's one of these ones where he's definitely going, but until it's on their website, I'm not going to believe it sort of thing. Yeah. Where it's easy to say, oh, so-and-so's going there, but like Dwayne Peel was going to be coach at Cardiff, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, no well, comment. No comment. Well, he took that very well at the time. I yeah. gotta say that he, he dealt with a like a like a real man. No, <laughs> took it on the not, chin. It's not until you see him outside of lifestyle sports in Limerick that you'll believe he's a master player. I think is the. Uh... <laughs> well, the sad thing is, if he does sign for Munster, it's just after Damien Dialende was leaving because that could have been the most beautiful centre pair in history. There's never been two better looking centres in the same team. Has it been announced that DDA is leaving then? It's not I mean, been announced, but... But he's going. Like, there's a lot of... Suge- it's Before the season started, there was a suggestion he probably wasn't staying. So, apparently he doesn't like the weather. He wants to go somewhere warm. Nice. Because um, to be fair, Limerick weather is not good. He, he does He does know that it get, does get quite warm like in Barry Island, doesn't he? Like... Do you want to come oh, coast, to Cardiff? Or... Yeah, but so is there's, Galway. There's, there's a beach. I, I don't think that uh, <laughs> he'd want to be turning out there. There's a beach in, There's a beach not far from Cardiff. If he wants to come and play for us. I think we're talking, you know, south of France or um, west of Japan for him, really. He's, he's clearly never been to Barry Island on a summer's day, is he? I, I mean, I would say that Wales is definitely west of Japan. Yep. I mean, it's I very, very west, west of Japan, but still in Japan. <laughs> All right, so Western Japan. <laughs> yeah, you know, like the bits down the bottom where it gets stupid hot. I, if, I, that's all he needs is... I mean, Dai Young's clearly playing some sort of mind meld on players with the, the fact he's brought in Father Tau, Liam Williams, and all right, his own son. I'm guessing he just brought, said he was going to cut off his pocket money or something. But maybe that's how, how Dai can keep playing these mind tricks on players and tell them, yeah, oh, well, West, West of Japan, yeah. yeah. yeah how exactly hard could it be yeah. to edit Wikipedia and say that Cardiff's climate is like 19 degrees in December? Yeah. <laughs> Precipitation, none. <laughs> not, not applicable. The roof is closed. <laughs> very, very close to a wonderful international airport. You just have to cross the Severn Bridge and go to Bristol and then... <laughs> The same as with Six Nation venues. Mm. Um, <laughs> I mean, Cardiff Airport's fucking shit. Yeah. I mean, what a shit international airport that is. I'd, honestly... I'd... The, only th- the only thing good, and I'll say this, that there's ever been about Cardiff Airport stopped in 2001 because I used to go down there on Sunday evenings in the summer and sit upstairs and watch the planes with my grandfather. And when things happened... In like 2001 with like 9/11 and everything, when all of that stopped security-wise and stuff, yeah. you can't do any of that. Cardiff Airport just become basically a little building that has planes flying to it. I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's what airports are that's, really. Yeah. <laughs> it's just as Roman Airport, there. <laughs> yeah, it's a plane station. <laughs> um, I would say <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I, I need to go back for that. <laughs> You just exactly described an airport as though that was the worst thing about Cardiff it's, Airport. Oh, you know, the worst thing about Cardiff Airport is that it's an airport. They take yeah. your suitcase. I don't know where it goes, but when I get to the other airport, <laughs> the suitcase is there. 
And then like there's a car park and my car is there. It's and kind. then it, the worst thing, if you get on a plane outside that building, it takes you somewhere. Where is it? Building that more planes go into. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Only slightly warmer. <laughs> well, it depends on which which building it is. Um <laughs> I would say the best thing ever about Cardiff Airport was that they used to have NBA Jam in the arcade. That was that was the only good thing that's ever happened in Cardiff Airport for me was that NBA Jam was where and we every holiday we went and we would lose a lot of time playing that game in the building that airplanes come into. <laughs> um, I don't. They're not even going in the building. You have to leave the building to get on. <laughs> If they go into the building, if anything, things have gone very wrong. The name of this week's pod, the best thing about Cardiff Airport. The best thing about... It's not, it might be, it's a building the plane's going to. <laughs> no, that sounds like 9-11. Yeah, I was, was going to say, say but that was a big building into, the planes went into. Not, not into. That planes no, arrive at. You have made it sound like that was like a, a drive through airport. <laughs> yeah, it's a building that planes arrive at. <laughs> oh yeah, I'll have 93 passengers in the double cheeseburger, please. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man alive. Welcome to the last ever episode of Rock and Roll. Uh, <laughs> Next week, planes. <laughs> what are they? Where are they going? What are these buildings? Um, why noise? There's another episode as well of um, Outside Half Merry Go Round. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had outside off merry go round with uh, George Ford, Pollard, and then there was all kind of mad rumours. So this week, there's a new episode of um, Outside Off Merry Go Round, where now Patchell is now going to Bath from Scarlet, allegedly, and Sheedy's coming from Bristol to replace him. I don't know who's going to Bristol. They might even um, have to fly him into a building. The plane's going no, into. Brist- Bristol is sorted, isn't it? Bristol's AJ McGinty. AJ McGinty, of course, AJ McGinty's going to Bristol. Oh, that explains, because then the, the keeps going from the previous one. Yeah, yeah George Ford's gone to Sale. Have we, com- have we completed the circle? Yeah, because Hon- Andre Pollard's gone to Leicester. George Ford's gone to Sale. McGinty's gone to Bristol. Sheedy needs to go to Scarlet. Someone's um, got to go to Montpellier, Patchell. though. That's the problem. So Patchell's got to go to Bath. And then who's Bath 10s? And Dan Jones got to Montpellier. Bath 10s. Bath 10s. <laughs> Orlando Bailey. Oh, no, well, technically, Pat- well, as last time I had, but Priestland left there. So he's gone to... Yeah, Priestland left there to go... To the to Cardiff. The, no, but actually, sang for the Blues. I think you're fine. Yeah. So uh, fucking Dwayne Peel. <laughs> he was bang up for it till he dropped the name, and he was like, "Fuck that shit! I'm not playing for Card. I'm not going to Cardiff." No one <laughs> told me that. I was told I was going to the Blues. Um. So yeah, so it's, it's not as good. As, it's not. It's one of those sequels where they couldn't get the original actor, isn't it? You know, Andre Pollard, George Ford. That's interesting. Reese Patel, Callum Sheedy is just not quite the same. It's I I this I take that as some kind of Welsh insult, eh? <laughs> yeah, I I'm sorry that uh need that like the fourth and fifth choice Wales outside halves are not as good as Andre Pollard. 
<laughs> just I to add to that though, the 10 chat, I did see something else today which could be interesting in regards to another Welsh 10. And that's that Chris Boyd is leaving Saints at the end of the year to go back to New Zealand. And I know that having watched interviews and read stuff that uh, Dan Bigger has spoken about in the past, a big draw for him to stay there is to be coached by Chris Boyd. So yeah, I but to be fair Dan... Dan Bigger, before that he was being coached by Sean Hawley. Exactly. So I imagine being coached by anyone that wasn't Sean Hawley was quite a big... Uh, yeah, if just wait until Saints get Sean Hawley in. <laughs> then it'd be yeah, gone. Exactly, no? Um, yeah, so I now. don't know whether that would be an, an option for whether Dan's looking at... I don't know when he's out of contract, so I'm not saying it could be like two years' time, I have no idea. I'm not saying I've been completely influenced by Sean all year, but I have just Googled Daniel Bigger, which I've <laughs> never Googled in my life. <laughs> I was going to have a look if there was any rumours abounding to that, and instead of typing Dan Bigger, I wrote out full Daniel. Um, isn't Cipriani at, at Bath as well? Cipriani's at Bath, yeah. And I'm pretty sure his contract... Close. I'm sure his was only a, quite a short. So I, I'm sure I see rumours of him possibly going elsewhere. Daniel Cipriani. <laughs> Dan Baker signed a new co- contract in 2020. For how long? Yeah, but we found out today that it. doesn't matter, does it? Well, that's the thing. Rugby started, like it used to be the players would only swap clubs when their contract was up. Like that was that was written. I don't really remember many doing it before Falatau. I think he left. He was going to leave Dragons here, really. And then WRU said no. And then they went, all right, fuck it, we'll leave for free at the end of the next season instead. And before that, I don't really remember anyone trying to buy players out of a contract. Um, Didn't they do that? Didn't um, Newcastle do it in the 90s? Was it Tugamala? They bought something bought out of his contract? From, was... from Rugby League, wasn't it? From Leeds. No, 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 like from uh, Wasp, I think. Maybe. I, don't I mean, know. the 90s was 90s like the Wild didn't West. Really exist, so yeah, it's, it's a myth. and I mean, 90s rugby was so mad in its in its finances that at the time, like Richmond were good, and the reason that now Richmond are not good is because money happened, and they couldn't cope. Um, but yeah, now everyone's doing it. Like Colby left early in his contract. Um, Marcel Kutze left on Christmas Day last year. Everyone's just like, oh, my contract uh, is still running, but I've, I'm sick of it now. Yeah, I actually, I've, I've thought about it, and you're all right. Thanks. I'm you see that thing it. John Cooney said about how he didn't, he didn't believe in long-term contracts or security or whatever. <laughs> and I just think it's yeah, because he doesn't know. Like, if he sits down and does a two-year deal, then he's got to say that he's happy to still be playing rugby in 2024, and he might find something new to do by then. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm just really into like backpacking or I don't know, nature. It's it's not going to have time for the rugby anymore. He might have grown by then as well. Well, we know that uh, one thing we've learned from this podcast is the plane spotting is now more difficult. Yeah. Yeah. You can't do that. Well, that'll that'll be what's keeping him in Belfast because the airport's really in the middle of town. (laughs) Can't find his way through the building. Um, yeah, it's very worse now. You've got a uh, very best rather. You've got to do a uh, plane spotting outside. I think is what well, I've learned from you all. And you don't get to play on NBA Jam. No, I mean that might be down to the fact I don't think they've made an NBA Jam since about nineteen ninety six. But still, do they still and, have and arcades that... in airports? I don't know. It's what just think... bowling alleys now. Bowling alleys are the only place with arcades oh, for some oh, reason. Bowling alleys in airports. No, bowling alleys are the only place where oh. they have arcades. <laughs> I was going to say that's a run and, and seaside. 
Yeah. Yes, oh, yeah, did you have... That is true. I do live by the seaside and I can confirm. So <laughs> we've got a bowling alley by the seaside, so it's kind of confusing. You have one of those shitty bowling alleys inside the arcade as well, where like, the things are on string. Where it's like no, a little tiny it's round. Like holly, it's like have a Hollywood bowl. Like Skittles. It's like I've the, seen yeah, the ti- I've they seen call the it bowling, bowling, but it's basically like Skittles in it in an arcade. And then yeah, instead you... of it being like what um, wiped out and picked up by the actual grabbers you get in a, in a tempting bowling place, it's actually like on string, and then you just see them all dangling like fucking puppets. Oh no, I've not seen one that bad. I've just seen ones that are small and you could like fit the whole ball in your mouth. But <laughs> the fuck is happening here? <laughs> Happy New Year. <laughs> Come to Brighton, play mini bowling. What, what what's you happening with bowling in England? I, I mean know. that's that's a question for Tesma special after the ashes, but what's, <laughs> what's happening with bowling in England? No, that's why everyone's leaving. <laughs> We're sick of it. <laughs> um, Sean Lonsdale supposedly also linked with the Dragons oh, I'm not really bothered about that one is he the uh, guy? yeah the guy who invented all the, the gloves and shorts and the really <laughs> shit trainers that sports direct sell for like a favour which I used to always have when I was younger yeah me did you used to have the, the free little boxing glove key rings that came with them yeah little... and, and, and I used to have the same trainers in like four different colours yeah how white, many of those shirts are no fear on them <laughs> well, no. He was a very anxious child. All his teachers said, "All fear, <laughs> just fear." A... Um, rather weirdly, this is this is a tangent that we're going to go off on. When my nan died, uh, me and my brothers were were bearers, and now uh, we went to the church, and then we're all sat in the house outside afterwards. And obviously, like you get that when there's a funeral, like. That silence where like no one's really knows what to do or say. And then my cousin just tapped me and pointed, and there was a building opposite that was completely empty and completely in dark, except for you know the no fear logo that's just two red eyes that someone had stuck on the window. <laughs> and my cousin just went, He's watching you. <laughs> <laughs> completely changes the mood of a funeral, if I'm honest. It was <laughs> it's really really picked my day up. <laughs> oh, uh, some good that sports director done in the world. <laughs> that and massive mugs they've kept people who sell porcelain in uh, in business for years just by oh, selling oh. three mugs oh, and the cheap socks I'm always buying their cheap socks because they claim to be 12 plus and you know that effectively means they fit an infinitely large foot an infinitely I don't know where yeah. infinitely large well because you know they say normally it's like 7 to 11 and they might be like 12 to 14 or something but it's like no 12 plus You've got size 17 feet. <laughs> Strike. Yeah. yeah, fair. Which is size 17 feet. They should fit. If they don't, you can get your five back. We once had someone turn up when I was playing football and he was like, um, can I borrow some boots? Because he hadn't played for years. And they were like, yeah, yeah no worries. We, I've got boots here for you. Um, but you need to go and get socks. We haven't got any socks left. And he was like, well, I don't really get socks. So they were like, on a Saturday, there's the market. So before the game, nip over to the market, right as you go through, there's a store there that sells sports stuff. Just buy a pair of, uh, we used to play in black and orange. So like, just buy a pair of black socks and then you'll be fine. And he turned up on the morning. And he gave me, he's like, where's your socks? He's like, I couldn't get any. So I was like, I told you, go through. As you go through, there's the market right in front of you. So he's like, well, I went there, didn't I? And the biggest size they had was 12 and I'm 36 next week. <laughs> <laughs> and that is genuinely true. <laughs> Good old Carby. 
this is the same guy who someone run, once run into the showers with a camera to take a photo and he covered his face. So they just they printed off the picture and just wrote his name above it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, in other news, uh, or not news as well, uh, Andrea Lucicero, Paul, I'm going to throw to you on, uh, on this one as his son. My son, yeah. So we mentioned a little while ago that Andrea Lucicero had um, <clears throat> put a post out beginning of December where he's basically looking for help on social media um, to find the baby that he helped deliver in 1995, as we've now found out, um, when he was volunteering for the Italian Red Cross um, in Sicily. Um, (laughs) I actually sent a message and a a tweet to Le Cicero um, on Friday just to say, simply, did he succeed in his quest? But it turns out he's not actually heard any news at all. so I've had a little conversation with him and hopefully we, uh, like, we are not going to be able to find the baby anyway, let's put it this way, ourselves here, but if anyone wants to sort of share stuff, we'll... That's, a, that's a very negative attitude. No, I mean, like, our, our reach probably doesn't go worldwide. It's probably a very niche market that we have of listeners, mate. But um, and hopefully that, like... I've got nothing on right now. I can go and do baby hunting. Yeah. <laughs> but hopefully, like, if we put some tweets out and stuff and people listen to the pod... Um, we'll go and find his tweet from the second of December, and obviously have a look at it. Now, hopefully, we can uh, we can help him succeed in this quest and finding the baby he delivered twenty seven years ago. Um, yeah, I thought it's I like I used it as one of my winners winners of the week about a month ago because of it. Um, but yeah, we thought we'd always sort of <clears throat> maybe keep in touch or I'll do regular updates on it and stuff. And I completely forgot until Friday, to be honest. So I tweeted him and we had a nice little conversation. He was coming back to me and. Clearly, what was, in my opinion, him using Google Translate to be able to write his tweet in English, um, because it was very factually and like and very to the point. But um, no, it was really good, and hopefully, we'll help him succeed. Um, if, I'm, I'm more than happy to take up this end with with Rory. If you can find a building the planes go out of, then um, we know that Cardiff is a plane is a place where planes come into. Um, well, my dad just flew to Italy today from Gatwick, so I think that's a good place to start. Oh, well, we'll, we'll send him out like a scout. Yeah. And he can have a little... I will say, born in 1995, Jake Paledri. I mean, he was born in Bristol, but still. <laughs> it's, you know... Yeah, according to his birth certificate. But, you know. Exactly. And then... Uh, Jim Moralio, the, the flanker for, for Zebra. He was also born in 1995. I mean, there's got to be several Sicilian men born in 1995. <laughs> well, yeah, one or two maybe. I mean, neither one of them were actually born anyway. <laughs> where the, where the big, but you know, admin errors happen. Yeah. Also, like, like when a baby's born and you tell it it's in 1999 and then everyone else wears bikes <laughs> in 1995. Yeah, exactly. I'm looking for a much younger man. <laughs> so asking everyone how old they are and then. None of them have said 22 so far. So that's because that's not how old they are. 20, 26. Um, yeah, hopefully we'll, it would be nice if he could be reunited with the child that was born. And I, I don't know. I mean, it's got all the makings of a documentary. I, what, we, what I don't have is any way to fund making a documentary. <laughs> or, or, any knowledge in, or any knowledge in how to make a documentary. But other than tragic. that... It'd be tragic when he finds him and he's like, I always prefer Giraldini. <laughs> Imagine that. 
I just tear up. <laughs> oh, I hoped you were Castro Giovanni. Why have you yeah. done this? <laughs> you, would, you would be a bit devastated, wouldn't you? If they were, oh, yeah, the, the guy who delivered you played for played for Italy, and they're like, oh, oh yeah, the front row player. Oh, was it? The... No, this this. Although I love Lachitero mostly yeah, because and of he can't stuff. introduce his Latin. Yes, he's not. He's not got that number in his phone. Well, maybe he does. <laughs> Such a that anyway, we're gonna go on a massive tangent there. But if anyone's got the number for uh for Johnny Owen, prospect can get a documentary based on this and we'll we'll help hunt it out. Johnny Owen and then uh Davina McCall can do um an Italian version of that thing that she does on channel four. Which I, I didn't know what that's fucking called. Big brother. No, it's, I know you mean, but it's actually on it's on ITV, isn't it? Um Oh, I don't know, it's all the same to me. What's it called? I don't know. She she brings people together the a family and shit. Yeah. Um, Long Lost Family. Oh, I mean, it was such a difficult title to remember. Long Lost Family. Yeah. <laughs> I hate those fucking cryptic titles they give him. <laughs> he's not eligible for that because um, he's not family, so sorry. Um, <laughs> Could be, you never know. Oh, imagine if, imagine that. Imagine if the child he delivered was actually his own child and he didn't even realise it. And they haven't now met for, hang on, what was the math again? 26 years? Seven, 26, 27. Um, I think you anyway, realise. <laughs> Unless that baby was born with the exact same moustache as Luchitra had, <laughs> like hang on, which is kind of a little bit like Toaster London, I think it's that kind of moustache. I just meant you'd recognise the woman that the baby came out of. <laughs> well, not necessarily. You know what these rugby players are like. <laughs> I almost named a rugby player then. I am not. <laughs> I realise that this isn't just a general conversation. We're doing a podcast. Yeah. Uh, anyway, players have committed to the end of the, their contract. Um, well, you also wanted to bring up uh, Wayne Barnes. Yeah, um, so Wayne Barnes on Friday, he refed his 250th Premier League, uh, Premiership game. Um, obviously a great milestone to get. Probably probably the best English ref that's been so far. Um, obviously, I think that Nigel's moment, spread also, right on the table there. Uh, pardon? I think Nigel Spreadbury might have something to say about that. Tony. Tony Spreadbury and his brother, Nigel. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He's very defensive about Tony. (laughs) He jumps his aid all the time. Um, But no, I... So the main reason I wanted to bring it up, because obviously I was like, oh, it's it's a good thing, and I was going to use it as my winner this week. Um, But there's actually been a twist in the story. I don't know if you're aware of this. No. (laughs) Is it it not as 250th? No, 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 no. It's it, not the real Wayne Barnes. No, it, it, <laughs> it was body it, swaps. It, 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 it's actually his brother, Nigel Barnes. <laughs> no, so it, it was Wayne Barnes, right? So Wayne Barnes, I don't, you, don't know if you guys saw it, but he did an interview on, on BT Sport before the game. Right. And he did an interview with Sarah Elgin. Yeah. And they're having a conversation about the 250, and um, he basically turns around and says in the interview... Um, he's asked about his greatest memories and things that he enjoys. So he's like last minute wins for like Quinns in the semi final against um, Bristol last year, and the sending off Dylan Hartley and costing him a place in the British Lions. <laughs> he didn't mention this. He said, and, and the the like <clears throat> the finals that he's done and blah blah blah. And he says, but one thing that sticks in my mind was refereeing a game where it was inter- a, a mass brawl on the pitch was interrupted by a man running on the pitch. In only an elephant thong, right? Right. 
Fast oh, month forward ago. to yesterday, at quarter past nine in the morning, he received tweet from a current rugby player that plays in the Premiership, saying there was admit, to admit that this streaker was his older brother. <laughs> oh, I did see this. I can't remember who it was. And then it's Freddie Burns. Oh, so it's yes. Billy. So Freddie Burns' older brother was the guy that wore the elephant thong and streaked in front of a mass ball on the pitch. To which point Wayne Barnes <laughs> has tweeted literally half an hour ago while we were on the pod. So much makes sense now. After all these years, I finally know who the man is in the elephant thong. And it's Freddie Burns' brother. So yeah, I, was, I wasn't going to mention it. I was going to leave that later on to my winner. But the fact we've had a twist live and in the last couple of days to actually turn out it's actually a brother of a current Premiership referee, I thought it's uh, it's something to highlight. Do you know the... that's a shame? Because you know, Freddie Burns, Freddie Burns is probably not the one getting in the fight or going to be sent off. You really want you know the brother of the, the flanker that's about to get a red card to run on and distract everyone and everyone forget that it's going to happen, or or just generally get in the middle of the fight like Aaron Ordukis' dad. Yeah, whose whose brother in French rugby was? Uh... It was Harry Nordic's dad, wasn't it? Yeah, Harry Nordic's dad at the Bastard. He just got him, got stuck in. But wasn't there another one as well? Ah, I, 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 it'll come to me later on. I'm sure there was. But um, I, the most interesting thing about that for me is that's still not the most embarrassing thing a Burns brothers done on a rugby pitch since uh, Freddie didn't put that ball down in Europe. <laughs> Perhaps the, that's when he needed his brother then to just distract everyone by just running on with his cock in a trunk, like just trying to distract everyone from the massive fuck of the Freddie Burns just then. I was at the Park of Scarlet Sunday, funnily enough, watching on a big screen. So, the other thing that I wanted to add to that, which I've just sort of thought of just before we came on the pod, was if that is the case and Freddie Burns' brother was the one who's done it, and we all know that Freddie Burns has got another brother called Billy the Place in Ireland, um, without actually checking, I wonder like if we can just come up with the character of the brother, like what's it, what his name is, what he does, why why he chose to do it. Are you saying that? Well, we should. Are you saying yeah, that this is what well, no, Freddie no, Burns? We should like just now on the pod. We should just like. I, I thought you were trying to suggest that there was actually only one Burns brother, and then Freddie <laughs> just invents other brothers that he hasn't actually got. It could well be, and then one of them ended up signing a professional rugby contract. <laughs> could, it could well be. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I friction burns. I think he's going to go for, especially if you're running naked across grass. It's only after a time if you slip. Surely it's been Bernie. Bernie burns. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. He's got an E. Has he got a? Has he got a middle name of Sanders or not? No, there can be other Bernies. You know, fastest milkman in the West. That's Ernie. Jesus Christ. Uh, Nolan. That was she was a Bernie, wasn't she? Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to name that Bernie. <laughs> if, 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 right, if Wikipedia's right, it's gonna be one of Samuel and Jack, but I don't know. I just don't understand why hasn't he also become a middling out, outside half? Like what <laughs> happened there? Uh, he, he he found novelty underway and it was that was enough. Why why train change your diet? commit yourself 24-7 to becoming a rugby player when you can put on an elephant thong and run across a pitch and be part of a game anyway. I, it, I, it seems like the sensible one to me. Oh yeah, there's less disappointment there. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I think, if anything, he's probably had a burger and a pint before he's done that. But I will say, on the back of that fucking prick who kept coming on in Inter- all the internationals and the guy who won the Welsh game, well, fuck the older Burns brother. Yeah. <laughs> Stay off the pitch, you knobhead. Um, Learn to kick. Yeah, yeah. Learn to kick or stay off the pitch. That's the if you if you're a Burns. Have we got any other news? Um, I mean, you could argue that we didn't really have any news to start with, <laughs> <laughs> other than Liam Williams and Fafita. We broke the news of 9-11, The chain. <laughs> we also broke the news about those buildings. Those buildings that have planes outside. Yeah, that was a that was a shocker for me. No, I think I think the only other things. News-wise, is more the other things that we've got like that is more specific incidents, and they like the red in the game. And yeah, so so we move on. To, I was going to say this week's games. The first one we've got is um, actually last week's game, but we haven't recorded a pod since before Christmas. So um, we'll quickly touch on Scarlet Ospreys because there was a couple of incidents in that. Um, I'm going to start off with some good news, and then we'll work our way backwards to things being shit again. So Patchell came back. I mean, he can't kick for shit, but he came back, and that's what matters. He looked fantastic with ball in hand, not as good with ball on D. But, you know, when you haven't played a game of rugby since Jesus was a carpenter, you'll turn a blind eye to that. So it's, it's, it's good to see him back, isn't it? Yeah, I know I- Rihanna Garth-Jones will be very happy, friend of the pod. She'll be very happy. She is very happy to see him back. Well, she was until you told her the other day. Until he's going to bath. <laughs> I think to which point I think she replied with the very, very famous quote, get fucked. <laughs> That's um, still the best thing to ever come out of this podcast. Yeah. Um, um no, I think it's I think it's great to see him back. It's 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 not necessarily on the level his ability wise so far as the, the comeback that Ellis made, I don't think. because um, obviously they've been out Cardiff, didn't they? No, 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 I'm just I'm just I'm just saying, but I think Patchell being back, if Patchell gets back and he gets back fit and he plays to the level of rugby he, he can play, whoever he plays for, whether it's in Wales, whether it's for Wales, whether it does go to Bath or wherever, he's an asset to anyone because he's a running 10. He's got a great kicking game when he's on form. Uh, I think it's just a case if he needs to be a bit like Anscom and just take his time with it uh, for a while. He's had multiple injuries as well, some of which were like, I believe concussion related as well early yeah. on. Um, so he just needs to take his time with it all. But they say that that triple threat 10, he can pass, he can kick, he can run. Yeah. I mean, all, all players can do that, but, you know, to, to a good level is what I'm saying. <laughs> he can pass it, he can kick, but he, he he's unfortunately he's immobile. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but, you know, he, he, he does them all to a fantastic level. So it's, it's great to see him back and playing because it, it's been um, it's been a long time. Mm. So we go, we'll go from um, less shit to possibly most shit. Yep, and then we'll see where we go from there. So I next uh, the shit rating for me, it was shit how bad Watkin and Collins looked together. Because as a Welsh fan, you're kind of pinning a little bit of hope on those two coming through, especially Michael Collins when. Osprey signed Michael Collins. I thought they've done all right here and Wales are going to do well at this because he's a fantastic centre. And like when he was at Scarlet, he looked good. He looked good in Super Rugby. Doesn't quite look 
to that level again yet. The way I saw it when Ospreys announced they say Michael Collins was if he was going to be that good and play for Wales, why did he go back to New Zealand? Uh, I'm guessing because that's where we lived and they paid quite good money. No, but he was he was brought <laughs> over with PVAC, wasn't he, as an option to play for Wales. Welsh qualified, come and play, come and play for Scarlets. He played for Scarlets, and then they've gone. Actually, mate, you can go back. Yeah, but he was a back three player then. Yeah, he's ch- he, he went to the Highlanders, and the Highlanders were like, well, we've got a bunch of back three players, so do you want to play in the mid- midfield? And he did that, and he was a bit better at that. And then Osprey's like, oh, we need a midfielder, we'll get him. Um, I think it is one of those things where, like, I think a lot of people saw him and sort of transposed memories of Hadley Parks on him. Yes. And, like, that's a dangerous thing to do with pretty much anyone just to go, oh, yeah, they've come from the same country and play the same position and have the same kind of age profile as the previous guy we got. So they're going to be the same. And, like, it doesn't really always work out. Like, Hadley Parks was some kind of miracle. Um, I just don't... Like, he is, quite, he is sort of... He is a good... URC level player, I don't know if that's I don't know if he's shown enough to suggest that that's going to translate to put him in a Wales jersey, but then Johnny Williams gets to play in a Wales jersey, so maybe anything's possible <laughs> Well, like, I still like Johnny Williams, we've gone through this a few times my biggest disappointment is I brought Rory onto a pod Michael Collins has come up quite organic. He's been to the moon, hasn't he? Oh, there we go <laughs> He didn't once compare to an astronaut or an Irish revolutionist well, in I, the... <laughs> I was thinking about that and I didn't say it but yeah <laughs> He died, he's died, he's been dead for a hundred years and he's still pretty good. Like, I would say for want? someone who's been dead for over a century, he's very impressive. Yeah. Um, he's great at finding space. It's all, they're all there. Genuinely, this Michael Collins, though, I don't believe that he's only 28 because it seems like forever ago he was playing for the Scarlets and I don't remember him being that young or looking that young then. Mm. I don't know how time works. <laughs> That's... Uh, I blame the Russians for that, trying to bloody ruin Christmas or something or nothing. Um, it, it, this was maybe it, he's suffering from the same thing as Wally, where maybe he was uh, given birth by Andrea Lucicero in either 1983, 1985, or 1989. You can't quite pin it down. So just write down the first number you think of, and we'll divide it by seven. Terms of, <laughs> just like I'm googling you now, looking at pictures. And he does look younger playing for the Scarlets, but I guess that's again how time works. <laughs> that but, is my my very limited understanding of time. Yeah, but I think believe, it looks believably the age that he was supposed to be at the time, which would have been what twenty two. Yeah, yeah. I I'll believe that he's told the truth on his birthday. Maybe I've got him confused with Adley Parks. This would be a hell of a twist. <laughs> Maybe I thought he was Adley Parks, and then maybe he's actually Michael Adley Collins. Parks. Maybe think. I love Michael Collins. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But you love Michael Collins, the one that's from Ponty that I used to play rugby with. No, I like Michael Collins that went to the moon. He didn't go to the moon, though. He just looked at it. Well, well, we've all looked at the moon. That doesn't make you special. He got a bit closer, but not all the way. <laughs> it's, like well, when you go to, it's like when you go to Vesuvius. You can't actually go inside the hot bit. There's just a little fence and you can look over and go, oh, there's a volcano. Well, I live on top of a very big mountain, so I think I've been closer to the moon than people who don't live on top of a very big mountain. So I'm going to start claiming that. I also looked at the moon from closer than you did over there in Amsterdam. Um, That game, um, the unluckiest man in Wales, 
Josh McLeod got injured again. It's like his body sinks up to the fixture list and then just fucking gives up whenever there's a chance that he might get a call up. I don't think perhaps he was in the discussions this time round anyway because only Cardiff have more open side options now than Wales. But man, that guy's fucking unlucky, isn't he? Yeah, it's shocking, isn't it? Like the injuries he's had, the time he's had to miss, it's just... You, you feel for him at the end of the day, didn't you? Like, <clears throat> Josh McLeod a couple of years ago was... Wasn't he... Was it, was it Josh McLeod or was it Will Boyd that was going to make his debut in the... And then he got injured in training, straight, like, 20 minutes later? Uh, McLeod's done that about three times. No, I mean, for Wales. He was making it... He got announced to the team and then got injured, like, on the Thursday or whatever. Yeah, I think it, I think it was McLeod. So he's, he, he's had an absolute may... I feel so sorry for the guy. Like every time he comes back and looks good, something else happens, which is obviously why Diane buys fifteen of them. Just um, you know, just in case. Like, just in case. Perhaps this is this is what's happened. Is Diane's extrapolating data on the number of injuries open sides get, and he said, "Well, they get injured a lot." But what he's failed to do is take out Cubby and Josh McLeod from those stats because they are 65% of the, the stats on open sides in Wales, yeah. because the two of them just cannot catch a fucking break. The only break that Josh McLeod can get is probably going to be his fucking femur, because he has been so unlucky with injuries. I ah, The poor fucking guy. Do you think Thai Young buys, like, <clears throat> buys sevens for Cardiff? Like you would go when you go shopping. Like you, you, you get in there, you're like, oh, what do I need today? You buy all your shopping, you get the till and go, oh, I forgot my bags. And he just buys another one. Like he goes to name his team and he just forgets he's got so many sevens, so he just buys another one. No, I think it's like when you're buying things online, you go, I'm not going to get one because I've got to pay four pounds for shipping anyway. I'm going to get 12. <laughs> I, I quite like the idea that Die Young goes home after a day's work. He opens up the bottom drawer in a kitchen, it's just filled full of open sides. Just <laughs> kept one inside the other. <laughs> I do this all the time, though. Like I'm, yeah. I'm constantly buying things because I just forget I already had them. T- take, take Ollie Robinson with you. He's got strong handles. I guess. <laughs> Um, and then the incident that is potentially either completely shit or not anything at all. So Reese Webb scored one of his two tries, got up, um, pointing at his eye and claiming that he got gouged. I think we can all say that Tom Price's hand was definitely near, or not near, was on his face. Yeah. In like the fucking thing from Alien when he scored the try. Do we think it was a gouge? I think. I, I think, looking at his hand, it's obvious, and we can all admit that his hand is making contact with his face, and it's it's around the eye area. But I don't believe he's gouged him, and I don't believe he's doing it intentionally. I think he's doing it to hold him up. So I just think he's like technically it would technically be also foul play because he's. Holding his head, I guess he's making contact with his head, but he's—I don't think—I think he's there just to try and hold the ball off the floor, as opposed to doing anything else. I don't think he's trying to gouge him. So he's just gone into that bowling ball and grabbed the orbital because it's where the fingers fit nicely. <laughs> that's what it looks like, yeah. I'm but I must sure admit, I didn't—I didn't see the game, and I saw the clip that Steph sent me yesterday, and that's—that's that's the intent. That's what I got from the clip, um, which was taken like the whole bit of where the. Rep is speaking to the TMO, etc., etc. I watched all of that, and I, I don't think he's done it intentionally. 
I just wonder, has there been a thing going around to say that gouging is refereed differently? Because it used to be, if you it used to be that sort of contact with the eye contact area. Contact with the eye area was the, the phrase that was used quite Yeah, well. and that yeah. would lead to people getting red cards. And now it seems to be the two-step thing of, first of all, they just leave it to the TMO unless, like, you've got a bit of cornea on your finger. Um, or... Uh, and then they leave, so they leave it to the TMO, like, oh, look, we don't know. We'll find out. And not TMO, even, sorry, the uh, sighting commissioner. And then the sighting commissioner comes back and goes, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and then nothing happens. Because at the same thing, like, I also played Claremont. And, like, it was a clear, it was pretty clear to me that Racker put his fingers in Ross Kane's eye slash nose area. But they couldn't get a still, still shot of where his fingers landed on his face because the corner post was in the way. And it's like that corner post is exactly the size of Ross Kane's eyes, and we can't see Racker's <laughs> fingers. Surely, oh. therefore, you know. It's like when, when they're grounding and they're like, well, the ball takes up a certain volume. If you can't see the ball, but you know there's nothing it's under the person, you have to know that the ball is probably touching the ground at that point. And they have to do the same thing with gouging, but it's like, no, we don't know. Mm. Um, yeah, and the same thing happened with, was it, was it Ferguson? And, um, yeah. Or and Hooper, very- yeah. That was very similar with it. Like with this one, I, I think he's he's tried to hold Reese Webb up. His hand slipped up off his shirt and he's just clung on to whatever he can. It's mm. definitely still a penalty. It's definitely still a card. I don't know whether it's red or yellow, depending on how they're reffing it now, but I don't think it's intentional either. It's probably if he stuck his fingers in his eye like a bowling ball, it could be one of those bowling balls that can just fit in your mouth instead. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> one of those cheap ones. Yeah, and then a bit of string would have picked Reese Webb back up. Carried on with the game. Um, <laughs> they should do that. Scrum half bowling. I'm, I'm well up for that. With um, picking a prop that goes into one of those big zorbing balls. That's what, yeah. yeah I was, well, I was thinking yeah. like Gavin Coombs or something. Yeah, yeah, I'm happy for that. Definitely a forward. We want to make it. Want to make it good. You definitely want a big forward. Get all the ball carriers out. We're going to find 10, 10 scrum halves and then the world's leading ball carriers. And just roll them into them. I, I'm, I'm more than happy to play that game. Let's well, rugby, come this is better than your who can do the highest kick. It's definitely better than rugby X. Yep. Have you seen those videos they put out? Like man versus man, who can kick the furthest? Or oh yeah, the, the ones yeah. where it was like Bowden Barrett yeah. against somebody in Northern Hemisphere or oh, whatever. Geordie Barrett against Elliot Daly or something. It's like, you're yeah. scraping the barrel to give people something to do here. Yeah, it was a DuPont and Aaron Smith, I think, wasn't it, as well, was one of them. Oh, yeah, the fastest pass. Yeah. It's it's not that. Like, I watched them because I had nothing else going on, but they are not very interesting. They, no. And they very... Not shit. shot in a very exciting way. No, very no. shit. Not, not shot in a way that caused any sort of excitement or tension. I don't understand why Geordie Barrett gets the whole cake tin in Wellington for it and Elliot Daly is just, like, in a park. <laughs> Travel restrictions, isn't it? Fair enough. If they had, if they had chose um, a Welsh outside half, they would have had to decide, does he need to go to Bristol? Does he need to go to London? Can he do it, but then he can't have anyone else in the stadium? Can't enter Monmouthshire. Yeah. If they had a Scottish, scrum, a Scottish outside half, then 500 people could have turned up to watch, but they probably would have decided not to anyway. Is this a, this a minefield? Um, other games this weekend. Then um, moving forward, Cardiff Edinburgh played yesterday. Wall, do you mm. want to go and grab your bag of alcohol? 
So you can no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good because um, Cardiff Edinburgh um, played yesterday. Um, as I touched on just before we came onto the pod recording, um, I haven't seen any of it. So we lost, but I couldn't tell you what happened apart from the clip I saw of uh, both of them getting smashed by Dave Cherry's head, head on head, which should be a red card and isn't. Um, and then knowing the fact that both of them's now perfectly fine and he tweeted out yesterday that he's okay and he got, he got to travel on the squad and stuff. That's all I know. Um, I haven't seen it. I've been rather busy this weekend. I managed to, to fit in a couple of hours to watch something we'll talk about in a little while, but that's not, I've been watching over the weekend. Um, what I would say is they could have sent off Dave Cherry and about another 11 Edinburgh players and Cardiff was still not winning that game. Right. Defensively, they were they were shocked. As I pronounced it, like they were more holes in their defence than Prince, than in Prince Andrew's defence. Nice. Like it, it, they were they were absolutely shocking. Like, and I'm guess, I'm guessing I'm guessing our Blues defence didn't sweat either. No? <laughs> they should. They fucking. I bet they were sweating to go back into that changing room with our young waiting there for him. <laughs> um, just defensively very poor all over the place. Edinburgh used something that I haven't seen many teams use. Which was an absolute stroke of genius. They used a dummy caterpillar rack. <laughs> they set up a caterpillar rack. Cardiff set up to defend the caterpillar rack, and then they passed. And it was Cardiff's minds fucking blew up, and they they just forgot how to defend. It was amazing. I also did that yesterday, but by mistake. <laughs> <laughs> they set up to do a kick, then didn't kick, but the carrier didn't know he was getting a pass. Like during the second world war when they tried to invent a gun and end up inventing the microwave. Yeah. <laughs> In some ways it's better. Um but yeah, Cardiff were, were were very, very poor. Uh loads of possession between like their own twenty-two and the Edinburgh ten meter line. But never really like just just millions of phases, millions of phases, just kept phase after phase, but about as threatening as a fucking toddler with a flump. Are they aware mm-hmm. that you can kick the ball? Uh, <laughs> Why? Owen Lane had a, had a nice little try. I know, uh, you know, me and my buddy Owen Lane, we, I, I want to know if he's available for Qatar because he dribbled the ball from quite far out with four little touches before that. It was fucking beautiful. It was joyous. He's better, the, get better get there first. Well, all right. If, if he's available for Austria and possibly Scotland. Um <laughs> But it's very sneaky how Edinburgh are suddenly good, isn't it? Yeah. Where, like, it's where almost that like from? Richard Cockrell was actually the problem there. Oh, I guess that would explain. And also yeah. they've got Majano and Buffelli now as well. Yeah. And you know, Velicott, you nippy, nippy fella running around that. Remember like 18 months ago, we were like, oh, Edinburgh are so much better than Richard Cockrell's there and he's given them that little bit of grit. And Richard Cockrell fucked off and he went, actually was really holding them back by making them do like sessions. Like the, the day he left, and everyone just suddenly like, oh, thank fuck, he's gone. Yeah, we, we had a yeah. massive discussion on the pod, didn't we? About like who was going to be in the coach and stuff as well. Yeah, and I I predicted Richard Cockrell to England. I think you did, yeah. I I I don't know if I had seen the rumor or if I just made something up. I think I'd possibly made something up. But I just went ah, or or, or, or the third option, Eddie Jones is a fan of the pod. Yeah, he, he DMs me regularly. <laughs> and he's always sliding into my DMs. Like he's looking for extra work. It's <laughs> going to be a pod consultant. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll cut the misery short for you if you haven't seen it. It was just a fucking terrible game. Cardiff looked awful. It's lucky that they're going to plug those gaps in midfield by signing a fullback and two other back row players. But yeah, they looked 
absolutely dreadful. Um, and then we had the Ulster Munster game. Yeah, this was um, one of the most frustrating experiences of watching. <laughs> Obviously not, but like I was watching it, and I I think I tweeted about fifteen twenty minutes in saying. Uh, this is one of those games where uh, you're just going to be very annoyed at how few points you scored when you were doing well, which is the the special Ulster trick, is to play really well but score one try. Yep. Um, and then somehow find a way to let the other team back in the game um, later on. Uh, and that was exactly what happened. Um, Simon Zebo got sent off and then also just decided, okay, we're going to kick to where he was, not realising that the other team can just think and you know, just the fullback will run across and catch the ball every single time. Um, so therefore, Munster just grounded out. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but Tyburn, I would say, relatively good at rugby. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that. Definitely worth being paid to do it, and, and apparently better at rugby than he was as a pizza delivery boy. So yeah, decent, decent career move. I, hang on, no. I, I'd just like to say I've never heard one complaint about his ability to deliver pizzas. I, I, I think that that might be speculation. I, I, I've never. I mean, I haven't checked if he's got some sort of. Is, is there a pizza delivery rating website? Maybe that's what Uber Eats, isn't it? Yeah, what's his score on Uber Eats? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I well, he was delivering on a bike when he was. Uber the problem Eats is he kept turning the pizzas over. And then all the cheese got <laughs> But yeah, um, seriously unreal player. And you know, the combination of there being like the ghost of Simon Zebo to kick out, and every time you try and carry the ball, Tyburn's like, no, this is mine now. Well he wasn't even um, meant to start. But <laughs> somehow he just like, yeah, I'll I'll play now, it's fine. Well, I don't want to mention Sean Ollie again, but just before we came on, Scrum Five was on and I was prepared to, and Sean Ollie showed the the final moment where I think he old somebody up. Am I right in saying, or does he turn the ball over? Yeah, they also tried to carry the ball through the middle of the field to score a try eventually, and uh, almost immediately, I think it was the hooker. I think it was uh, John Andrew or whatever. Just like, yeah, no, I'm having the ball now, thanks. And they and Sean Ollie said, well, and and this this moment was why he was man of the match. I was like, and I'm pretty sure it was like the 79 minutes before that as well. Yeah, he turned, all the, he turned all the other balls over. Well. Man of the match. <laughs> well, they announced Man of the Match about five minutes before that. Yeah. In fact, that is, you can positively see that is not, that is one of the things that he definitely didn't get Man of the Match for. Yeah, because he was already Man of the Match yeah. by that point. But what you're Unless... also forgetting, what you're also forgetting <laughs> is you're talking about Sean Holly. Yeah, who can travel through time. Yeah, because uh, as we've worked out, no one rugby related knows how time works. Oh. <laughs> um, Zebo's red. There was the was that a red? And obviously the, the answer is, of course, it was a fucking red. Don't be stupid. Like, did you hear what he said afterwards? He says the no. referee. I don't think I even hit him. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, well, we've watched nine replays of your yeah. elbow of you shouldering this man in the face. I, I get it. Mike Lowry is very small. And therefore, you know, hitting him might not feel like anything. But we have video evidence. That's yeah. That's the reason you're being sent off here, Simon. Like, you're not, he's not going to change his mind going, oh, yeah, my mistake. Why don't we just... <laughs> like, it looks like you hit him, but if, if you say you didn't... If you didn't feel it, then... Yeah, it can't have been that bad. The amazing thing is that Lowry got hit square in the face and then the tackle wasn't even completed. He got back up and yeah, ran it back. Yeah, he back up. 
like he was a skittle on a string, just straight <laughs> back onto his feet. It was unbelievable. He's incredible. incredible. He's three foot nine and he's incredible. But it it was there was no rap either, Fonzie. I just wondered, could that stand up in court? Like, could you use that defense in court? Like, if you ran over a child outside of school doing 40 in the 30 zone. So I didn't feel it. <laughs> there wasn't the even a on my car is just so good. I couldn't <laughs> tell. Didn't feel, I didn't even rap. <laughs> just, I, I didn't feel it one bit. I didn't even think there was a pothole. Like, it was nothing. Um, and then uh, Van Grand's come into a little bit of um, stick for being a bit arsy in his pre-match interview. I mean, I suppose he doesn't give a fuck because he's going to bath anyway. But not as a 10. Um, I didn't see the pre-match interview because uh, I just don't... I tune in at the kickoff time. I don't need to hear any of this nonsense by anyone. I just want to see the rugby. Um, but, like, it doesn't really matter if he's arsy now because everyone has already decided that they hate him and he's already leaving. I don't well, know why they hate him. It's kind of like they had one bad game and suddenly he's the worst person who's ever coached. Well, this is what he got to ask you about. They oh, said, is everyone saying he's the worst person that's ever coached? No, no they, they said about two bad games and he went, actually, one bad game. We won the one before. <laughs> well, they, Okay, the cast game was bad, but they happened, well, they won. It, was, it was a bad game of rugby that they won. But, so... I think that pretty much covers everything on Ulster Munster. The only thing I would say about about Van Gran is I I don't know if I've dreamt this, but I'm sure I read today that apparently he's got a bit of hot water as well in South Africa. Because it's not Yak or Johan. No, this is apparently Victor Matfield has been spreading things he said to him, hasn't he? Yeah, Victor Matfield has come out and said that part of the reason why Van Gran is leaving Munster is because all the best players go to Linster. Well, O2 is strong. They're born there. Yeah. <laughs> this is the thing. I was having a chat with people about this, and I think part of that is that in South Africa they don't have the same sort of loyal like loyalty, maybe the wrong word, but like regional identity. Yeah. Um, which affinity. Talk, talking to two Welsh fellas about affinity in <laughs> provincial rugby is Yeah, we'll, we'll get on to that in a minute. Rabbit hole I don't really want to go down. But um, you know, a lot of South African players do not stay where they were where yeah. they came through. You know, Skosan mm-hmm. talked about how he's from Cape, from Cape, yeah. but he played for the Lions. I remember Rampinas from Bloemfontein, but he played for the Sharks. Like they move around a lot. Um, whereas in Ireland, you move around, you can't get into the team where you're from, uh, which is you know a bit of a different. You know, you, you deliver pizzas in the place where you're from, and then you move to the Scots, and then you move to Munster, and you're amazing. That's the that's the <laughs> the path that you're supposed to tread. Um, and... I think the problem with South Africans is there's a lot of buildings the planes go to Manchester and Edinburgh. <laughs> and then that leaves them slightly that's true. Track. But that so I think that Van Graan was just sort of annoyed that the, the Irish system is not we have this many 22, 21 year olds or whatever who are excellent at rugby. You can have some. It is you can have them if they're from Cork. And <laughs> that's that's like that doesn't really vibe with him because he wants all of the St. Michael's boys or whatever. But Bath, so, obviously, Bath can't get any of the Leinster players either, so I don't know how he's going to do that. So basically, everyone who's not from Leinster, it's Leinster, regardless of... Correct. Which which rugby, country, city, county are from, everybody it's Leinster. Also, also our, friend from, our friend Patricia from Leinster. <laughs> yeah, sometimes people from Leinster, like Patricia, hate Leinster as well. Um, we'll skip across the border... Well, I no, actually, you two won't because you're already there. But 
into into England. Um, a red card in the Quinn's Exeter game. Just the one. Just the one. The Joe Marler incident, where what? Well, I'll, I'll describe how, how I saw it, which was that he got cleared out by being lifted up in the air by two people and dropped on his fucking head. Yes. It was a tombstone like, by Kane. I thought it was more like uh, the the Dudley Doomsday device yeah. with the Dudley boys. It was yeah, it had yeah. very much vibes of Sam Simmons slapping him in the chest and telling him to get the tables. Well, yeah. that you see that that differentiation there is depending on is it two red cards or one, isn't it? Well, I mean, I I I think it's it's two for me. I think Sam Simmons has got a very easy to not at least get a yellow. It's very yeah, difficult yeah. to decide which of the two you're going to send off if you're only going to send off one of them. They tend to go with the one that lifts. Yeah. So the guy that tackles that unbalances it is just a penalty, but the guy that does the lifting is the one that gets a red card these days. But they kind of both did the lifting. Maybe just. But I also think I also think Sam Simmons. I think if if you take and I know it's it's ifs, what's and maybe's, but if you take away Hepburn and Sam Simmons tackle. I think Sam Simmons' tackle is on the verge of being a yellow potentially, but he also brings him to ground. Like he still holds on and brings him to ground, whereas Hepburn is literally there picking up his leg and slamming him in. Is yeah, I think it's his action that's. It's the truth that Sam Simmons is not strong enough to flip Joe Marler, and therefore it has to be Hepburn. Well, I, I think like it's kind of a TV. It's all seen he brought him to ground. But I don't think that counts if what you bring him to the ground on is his fucking head. Like I don't think you can say, "Oh well, I was I was in control. I, I purposely smashed his face into the floor." Like you need but to be able to bring I, him down safely. <laughs> no, I know, but I, th- I think I think Sam Simmons, if 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 Hepburn's not there, I think Sam Simmons doesn't bring him down on his face. I think he comes down on his face because of of Hepburn's action. I, I'm not a hundred percent sure on on any of it, to be honest. I I think obviously they lift a leg each. And so it's a bit like the, like, spoiler alert, but it's been out since fucking knows how long, but it's a bit like murder on the Orient Express. Like, how do you decide who the murderer is when everyone stabbed him? Mm. Like, sorry to anyone who hasn't seen it, but it's, you've had fucking long enough. Um, <laughs> so, like, I don't understand how you can say, well, he's definitely the one that's done it there when you lift a leg each. Mm. I, I think it was, it was, unless, of course, your award-winning journalist, Stephen Jones. Of course. Yeah. Well, he hasn't decided either. Oh, can I just ask a question? Because I didn't know this and I meant to do it yesterday. The um, award-winning journalist, Stephen Jones, yeah. by by any chance was a certain Twitter account that might be run by one of, well, you basically. Is that is that the photo you put out yesterday? Of yes. Yeah. I didn't see who it came from. So, yes, okay. Yeah, he said Exeter played with 14 men after Alec Hepburn was given a red card from an offensive ruck in which Joe Marler was upended and fell towards the ground head first. Now, I would say he, was he didn't slammed. fall towards the ground head first. He wasn't just stumbling around and slipped. Like, he was smashed into the fucking ground head first. He was just hanging around upside down like a bat. And, you know, he just fell. He says, he these cards are given out either for blatant foul play or for acts which look like it. Which, no, they're given out for fucking player safety because he, he walking... can't drop a player on his fucking head. Yep. Joe Marler was walking down a very buttery staircase. 
and Alec Hepburn happened to be at the bottom. Sam Simmons just going, he walked into a door. That's what... <laughs> it's just very much like Ali G, when, the, when Ali G wins the vote. Because he, he jokes and he says to the bloke that you sucked off an horse, and he goes, well, actually, what happened was I, I walked and I fell, and the horse just happened to be erect, and I fell on his phallus. Basically the same. Uh, Spoilers for even... Ali G in the house, though. Yeah. <laughs> We're ruining films left, right, and centre here. All the classics. Moved on the Express, Ali G. And, and the best bit is, this is not even your film podcast. Oh, yeah. Well, I got one of them. The referee said that Epburn had not discharged his responsibility to put Marla down safely. It was one of the requirements in law, which is a bizarre requirement when you consider it. Though it is not a bizarre requirement to say you shouldn't you shouldn't put a player in a position when he could get seriously fucking hurt. Mm. That is not a bizarre law. It's a common sense law. So yeah, obviously uh, Stephen Jones again is wrong. Basically, there's no other way of saying it. It, it's, It's a Dickhead article from a dickhead. Yeah. I thought he was so reasonable. <laughs> I mean, this is a man who got into a, into an argument with Lawrence Delalio and the whole nation sided with Lawrence Delalio. Like, that's <laughs> that's how bad this yeah, game is. To be fair, he got into an argument with Lawrence Delalio about a thing that Lawrence Delalio was doing. Yeah. <laughs> he, he questioned, he was like, well, how, how do you know that that's the case? Because I'm a I'm a director at Wasps, you belly, and I've got access to these things. How do you know how much Wasps are spending? Because I'm on the board of Wasps. You seem to know a lot about your own water bill. <laughs> Very suspicious. Do you work for the, the water company? But no, they send me a letter every month. <clears throat> Absolutely. Absolute joke of a man. Unbelievable. Fair play. A guy once blocked me and called me a gnat. I didn't even know that. No, I, I don't even know what kind of insult that is. Um, and then the the highlight of the weekend for me from the Gallagher Premiership was Johan Lloyd being absolutely superb, pump faking an offload, giving an actual offload, having made the break. It was joyous to watch. It was it was Bristol Bears were back for that like thirty seconds, and Johan Lloyd was at the centre of it. He's one of those players where every now and again you think he's going to be brilliant. Um, you've kind of got to check yourself, but he still can't defend, really. Mm. And Do you remember so that he... time against uh, Italy when Maya just sent him flying? Yeah. Just like tapped him on the shoulder and he went about 15 yards. And then he he played for Bristol the week after and it happened again. <laughs> I was like, I'm starting to feel sorry for you. To be fair, he is nine years old. <laughs> yeah. He is too young to be Andrea Letitia's. <laughs> <laughs> He's not the boy. Um, yeah, it was just joy. I put a put a clip of that on um, on our Twitter because I don't think I have yet. But that was that was superb this week. And in, in a decent, was it a decent game? Like it was kind of a decent game, but it wasn't. Which is how I feel about like nine tenths of rugby games at the minute. That's that's, that's club rugby. Yeah, all okay. club rugby games are either oh that was very entertaining, but maybe rubbish or. That was rubbish, but maybe very good. I, I think that's been true of, of international rugby for most of it as well. But for one or two standout games, like France or Australia, it's most, I really enjoyed that, I think. Did I enjoy that? And then sometimes I'll convince myself I enjoyed it just because it was close. It, it can be the worst game ever and decide in the last play, and I'd be like, oh, I like that. Yeah. 
<laughs> Unless the last play is the last play of the Ulster game yesterday where it, it wasn't really decided because it was pre-decided that Byrne was going to nick the ball. But normally, if it goes to the last play, like, yeah, that was a game of rugby. Well done, everyone. Yeah, it's like um, the rugby version of Sixth Sense. Just to, just to spoil another film. Yeah. You watch... You watch We're getting closer to the present day. <laughs> watch 80 minutes of shit rugby and then at the end, Bruce Willis is a ghost, so it's fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, well, you've already mentioned it. The other big thing to happen in rugby this week is that, uh, well, not necessarily this week, but I watched them all this week. BBC Wales put out their three-part documentary, Slammed. What's it about? It's about uh, wrestling in the 80s. Oh, nice. <laughs> it's about Kendo Nagasaki. Um, no, all about Wales from when we were shit to when we weren't. Yeah, it starts. Well, there's nothing more specific than that. It starts when it was it 96-13 we lost against South Africa, wasn't it? In two thousand in nineteen ninety-eight. It starts there. Is it ninety-eight or ninety-seven? Not that it matters, but it's not it was ninety-eight because a year later when the stadium opened in ninety-nine was a year we beat, we beat South Africa on it a year a year later. So yeah, Mark, Mark Taylor scored the try. Yeah, that's it. But yeah, it starts in nineteen ninety-eight, goes through to <laughs> what it does is it goes through to two thousand and eight. So the grand slam in two thousand and eight. And then, and then Warren Gatland obviously had told the BBC by this point actually not getting any more footage of us. Yeah, because we're, we're a serious professional outfit now. So fuck off, sling your up while's way. And so they were having nothing the documentary there. <laughs> this really exciting bit that came next. We're not able to show any of that. The, the bit, the bit that killed me, and I watched it, and I was like, I actually quite enjoyed it. Like a lot of it, you know, anyway, you know the stories, and you see it back in the day and stuff. But it finishes in 2008 when we win the Grand Slam and there's a little conversation where like I think Ryan Jones said something like like I'll always have, I'll always have respect for Warren like what he's done for me in regards to international rugby blah 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 and then it stops and there's like just before the end credit starts it says Wales go on to win a Grand Slam in 2012 uh, win the championship for 2013 and also 2019 and then it ends before the credit starts with a picture and it says Wales became the number one ranked team in the world in 2019. And I was like, has this program been done by the people that run Wales Online? Because it's like, it's literally that we were probably number one in the world for what, a week maybe? But I think, to be fair, like, I mean, I don't know who's made it. I assume Caroline Hitt's involved in some way. So in some respects, it is people who work on Wales Online. I do think it's just, it does massively show that contrast. Yeah. In where we were to where we got to. And yeah. yeah, it was short lived that we were number one, but the fact that we got there from being called the shittest team in the world. Yeah. <laughs> Just they they're the shittest team. And then I like when they, they talk, I can't remember what they told him he's like, he's saying we're worse than Italy. And yeah. Argentina. I just go through and, and, and he was like, and, 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 yeah, and he's like, and Uruguay. <laughs> and Uruguay. <laughs> Which is clearly not what he meant. I don't think he meant we would lose to Uruguay. What he was saying is yeah. he's the shit for a top tier team. But yeah, when they just start, and I felt really bad for Uruguay. <laughs> it was just like they were saying we were so shit. We were shitter than Uruguay. <laughs> That's a really harsh just to start naming people who are shit. I I I think they I could have got out of Wolves ten minutes if they had just kept out running and just gone just leave him name people who they thought we were shitter than the Ivory Coast. <laughs> we, we we were shitter than uh the People's Chinese Republic. We were shitter than just see how long, how how far they would have plumbed the depth of the world rugby rank if you just gone keep going, keep going Malta. Where's the Malta? 
Um, VAT against City, if they got a team, if it were, we were worse than them. Like, it just, I, I quite like that bit. What I did like about Ryan Jones was that he had somehow uh, dressed up as, like, if Steve Jobs had gone to the gym. Mm-hmm. He was just like a, a bulky Steve Jobs in his black turtleneck. I quite like that look. Like, he, he'd come straight from California just to film this bit in between inventing a new fucking iPhone 16 or something. And then... Uh-huh. um. I mean, it was one of those ones. I, you you brought up that like, it's all stuff that we've essentially seen before. <clears throat> what was quite interesting was that I watched it with Em, and so Em said like, obviously, be a bit like she got into rugby during the Gatland era. Yeah. So she's not really, she's only really known like a good level of success. Yeah. And she didn't know. I was growing up in the northeast. There's no. The, what I, I found out is um, these documentaries about Welsh rugby, they, they're not as prevalent in the northeast, apparently. Oh, they're not. They, they don't do them every couple of years there. No. So she hadn't, she'd never seen like the backstory. She'd never seen us using an equestrian centre as a training. Ground. That was fucking hilarious. <laughs> Rory, have you, see, have you seen it yet? No, I, that's why I asked what it was about. So, so <laughs> I didn't even know this myself, but there was there was a time, was it? When was it? It was under Ruddock. Was it under Ruddock or Sir Hanson? Uh, it was, no, it was before Graham Henry came in. Oh, so. And then a bit trained. under Graham Henry because he went, you guys need to sort this shit out. Literally. If I'm coming into court with Steve, you need to sort this shit out. They trained and did scrummaging inside an equestrian centre that had about an inch worth of sawdust put over the top of the, the horse shit. The horse they shit. didn't even clear it out. They were still. They were just run, doing like basically doing running drills and everything and scrummaging on literal horseshit. See, I like the idea of an international rugby team still having to to do the shit check before a game or before training. Just just walking around, make yeah. like dog poo there, dog poo there, giant pile of horseshit there. Although to be fair, uh, Nick Mallet did argue whether what was more shit, <laughs> what was under the sawdust, and what was on top of it. <laughs> Because they were the shittest team in the whole of the world. Worse than Uruguay, <laughs> worse than Hong Kong, worse than Chinese to pay. All of them. It, it's bizarre because, like, we had some, we had decent players. So, like, say they were doing scrummaging drills. So, you had, like, Gavin Jenkins was, a, I would say, was a, a, a good hooker. I think Jonathan Humphreys was there. He was our captain, which is bizarre. But, like, We've got some brilliant, like the Quinells were both here at the time. Like, we, it wasn't that we had completely shit players. Like, Da Young would have still been here before we'd gone to rugby league. Yep. Da Young was scrummaging on horse shit. Yep. And then people go, Well, I don't know why these players went to rugby league. Well, I'll give you a fucking clue, Bert. <laughs> because they're not waiting for the Shetland ponies to fuck off before they can do a line out. That's why. <laughs> I mean. it, it, it utterly bizarre that it was ever left to be like that. But yeah, great memory obviously coming in was like a massive game changer. What I particularly mm. liked about that is that uh, Peter Jackson, the journalist, not the guy who done Lord of the Rings, <laughs> claims that that was down to him. Yep. They were like, we're going to go and fetch in the world's greatest coach. And he and said, well, who's that? And they went, well, just the world's greatest coach. And he said, well, for me, that would, that would be Graham Henry. And then two weeks later, they came back with Graham Henry. I was like, yeah, you. I don't think that was you. Like, I, I, you didn't discover Graham Henry. Is he taking credit for Racing Star and Dan Carter as well? Probably. <laughs> yeah. We'd like to be European champions. Can you recommend anyone? It's like, yeah, have you heard of this Dan Carter? He's quite good. He's played <laughs> he, a lot of times for New Zealand. 
<laughs> there's a, I know that like coverage of of rugby in the southern hemisphere wasn't perhaps as, as strong as it is now. Actually, that's fucking debatable at the minute. But until it was recently, but I, I'm pretty sure the WRU would have already viewed of Graham fucking Henry. Plus, we got to see that him deliver that line, which I always love when he's uh, I'm gone a Wales. I'm waving tonight. Fucking brilliant. I, every time I watch him, I'm like, Argh. I know I already know he's going to Wales. I've, he's already left. But it, it's fucking brilliant. I get goosebumps every time I watch it. Um, not too many people speaking out the turn as such. No one no. really says anything too bad about anyone. Um, Shanklin, I thought, was was quite funny on it. Yeah. I quite like Shanklin anyway. I know some people don't. I don't think he gives you a lot of tactical analysis, but he is quite funny and I'm more than happy to... Mm-hmm. It's people who don't give tac- tactical analysis and have no personality that I've really got an issue with. Like, I, I don't mind a colour commentator if you've got a good commentator there. It's people who have no personality as such while they're commentating and don't really add anything to the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, in absolutely no link whatsoever. So ever. I thought Shane Williams was pretty good as well. So <laughs> Yeah, because Shane was actually quite like... He was quite interesting. Open. Yeah, he was quite open in the sense of like how bad he felt beforehand, how yeah. bad he felt that he wasn't playing. <laughs> what I love is the story, and I, and I knew it was, I knew it was a, like an out of the blue moment. But the fact that he got a, a text message, something like on a Sunday night, saying on Friday you're starting for Wales against Romania and we're in Wrexham, and he hadn't even been called into the squad. Yeah. Like so, but the but the text was the text was from WIU like you're starting, but basically I, they had, I had that once for cricket game, and I, I texted them back saying, "Did you? T- is this the right number?" <laughs> <laughs> I, and then he said, "Well, do you want a game or not?" And I was like, "Okay, yeah, I guess I'll play." So, well, um, but he was obviously hated Hanson, didn't he? Yeah, I think he's he's quite. I uh, think about the way that he says things. Yeah, but he he does he is essentially saying Steve Hanson almost ruined my life. Yeah. Um, he's quite open and honest about how badly it affected him and like him in the weights and then yeah. sort of essentially he seems to be suggesting like picked up uh, quite bad habits like food wise and things as well. He's really not in a good place mentally. No. In the back of it. What I what I found quite funny then was that the documentary plays it that um, Anson struck on some kind of genius during the 2003 World Cup of putting Shane Williams into the team and making changes and it all clicking into place when in fact what he'd done was sent the players out for fucking slaughter there's yeah. no doubt when he picked that team for the New Zealand game it was very much picked on this will shut all those fucking supporters up telling me I should pick Shane Williams every week and threw him out there with a load of players that he thought were going to fail to end yeah. any talk of them starting and what actually happened was they all clicked and then it fucked him up for the England game so he was like ah, I don't know to select them because <laughs> I picked the same players for the past so, 18 months so he did the producers on his own team What's that? He did the producers on his own team. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he did try to change my England on our day to uh, springtime for Hitler, but apparently they were turned down. But that, that's, was, that's so bizarre. Well, that's one thing as well. I don't, and like listeners as well, and say Rory, I don't know, but like 2003, that game against New Zealand, you look, you look at it, it, it for me was like, oh, look, there's the squads. Oh, oh, it's going to be 100 points. And it's probably one of my favourite games I've ever watched. Yeah, because I was still drunk. Wasn't it? Wasn't it ninety points? Wasn't it fifty-three, thirty-seven, or something? It was. Yeah, it something like that. Oh, I thought I mean, you meant they lost nine to nil. Bravo! No, 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 no. But you no, look no, at no. and you think we got like, especially when they had like Sivivar to 
Um, Joe well, Rogafoco, like, um, what's, what's the one who played the monster? But, oh. And they, they scored after 90 seconds. Yeah, like... Yeah, but Dougie Howell is very fast, so that's easier to do that. I, I think it was Rock and Cork that scored the opener, wasn't it? Yeah. With Grace in the wing. And, and, but with sort of 10 minutes to go, we're, we're very much still in the game, which is obviously, like, that's that's all blacks every week now. Why every time they play now. <laughs> every time. Yeah, and, every, like, every time and like the try of the game wasn't even anything to do with the All Blacks. It was the one where Shane breaks, gives it to Shanks, and Sonny yeah. Parker dies in the corner. Which, like, that's a good movie. We made Sonny Parker look good. Yeah. But yeah, there was this thing about, oh, it all clicked in. But the, the, my favorite moment of the old documentary is when they're interviewing Steve Anson in the build up to the World Cup. <laughs> and it's just before the Romania game. About the performance. Someone says, yeah, someone says to him about results. And he slams a piece of paper against his leg that he's folded up. And he's like, how many times have I got to tell you guys? It's not about results. It's about performances. Until we get performances right, we're not going to get results. And you, you, you're just not being patient. And you go, Steve, you haven't won in nine months. <laughs> it's been nine months since we last won a game. We lost all our Six Nations game, including to Italy. Like, Nick Mallet, if he had seen us at that point, imagine how shit he would have thought we were then. But like, I, I start think- making up teams. Yeah, if you lose like five games on a bounce at the start of the tenure, and you say, "Okay, look, it's about performances, and we've got to get that right," but it's been nine months without a win. I think journalists are allowed to ask. Can I results. just jump in this because I thought this yesterday, and I'm not sure. And I did check this earlier on. I'm ninety percent sure that the journalist he has a go at is Andy Owl. Well, <laughs> what I will say is. This documentary is perhaps the best produced, most professional looking, most slick and watchable documentary I've seen on Welsh rugby produced ever. Like, mm. I don't think there's one as good as this. No. Except when Andy Owl turns up. Yeah. Because Andy fucking Owl just, it, it sounds like a fucking dunce. Like there's no other good way of saying. Oh, yeah, so I asked, yeah, I went down to I went out to watch Wales training, and uh, yeah, they thought they were they were looking good. Like, and I said, "Shut up, Andy! You fucking, you're adding nothing to this. You sound thick. You, he, I don't know why he's there. Like, he wasn't good as a journalist. He's not good as a talking head. I don't want. I, I hate putting people down, but fucking Andy Owl deserves it as well. My favorite thing about Andy Owl was I mentioned this before was when I put a tweet out when he didn't know who fucking Jonah Holmes was when he got called into the Wales squad. And then <laughs> Wales Online fucked up and embedded that into one of Andy Owls' articles. <laughs> so, so my tweet saying that Andy Owls was fucking rubbish and if he didn't know who he was, he should try being a journalist and do some investigating was in right in the middle of an Andy Owls piece. I, I do love that attitude of just like, well, I don't know this thing and therefore it must be bad. Yeah. And that's and not that, a reflection on me. It's just... yeah. I like people did it with like fucking I don't know, Game of Thrones. Ah shit, I've never watched it. What? Well, I, what? Like how can you how can you make those two statements together? Like they don't go together. If you I watched it, I thought it was shit. That's fine. But it's shit. I've never watched it. it doesn't make any sense. And that's Andy Owl's opinion on almost everything with rugby. I feel like you get that like from people that aren't professional journalists though. Like oh, oh I have a feature going to the Scarlets. Who? It's like he played for the All Blacks last year. Like you should. Yeah, you, you should know these you people. Don't, like, you don't have to have like recognised him, but you can't just say, oh, who is this nobody? It's like, he's somebody. Well, Jonah Holmes has scored two tries at Twickenham that season. Hmm. He's he running two tries in the, the big double-header game at Twickenham. He was man of the match in uh, one of the European games. Like, 
he wasn't a like a fucking youth boy that just come it's, in and played two games. It's the old uh, Bod Corey Hill one that still winds me up. It's like, like he captains the dragons. Like you should probably have seen him sometime. Yeah, well, you know, it's not like it's his fucking job or anything. Anyway, Andy Owl really wound me up just by appearing and looking like Mr. Mark. <laughs> Sounding sick and looking like Mr. Markey from South Park. And that um, was it for me. The other thing that I took from it, which was I was, was going to use for the pod, which was, it was going to be too long. I don't think it would work because I don't know. It would, be, would have had to have been me against you, I guess. But you know how I like, I like our little um, games we've played before, the quizzes where we've gone, like, name the 15? Yes. I looked at the 15 for um, that played in 1998. Right. right. So that would have been a bit, a bit more difficult to do. However, one thing I did pick up from there is that someone that played in the game in 1998 yeah. played in the Grand Slam Decider in 2008. 2008? Yeah. Uh, Stephen Jones? No, no. And I, I, I read it and I was like, oh, that's, that, that's fucking great stuff. So I'm, I'm, I'm loving that. So well, the, the South Africa game in '98 and the when we lost '96 13. Yeah, someone played in that game that then played against France at Cardiff in 2008 when we won the Grand Slam. That's not Stephen Jones. It's not Michael it's Owen. Martin no. Williams. No. It's going to be so. Is this going to be something bizarre you wouldn't expect? Probably, but then I always remember. I always remember this player played in 2008 because there's a specific reason I remember it. Oh, um, is it Sidoli? No. Oh, I might be thinking of the wrong reason. I, I, I always remember he played in 2008 because there's a reason why I remember it. I remember where I was when I watched the game, but I didn't realise he played in 98 until I saw the team. Go on. Ian Goff. Ah, oh, Goff. I... Ian Goff made his 50th cap in the 2008 game. So he led everyone out. Like It was all black. They knocked the lights off everything. He walks out by himself and then we win the Grand Slam. But I had no idea he played in '98 until I saw it. Yeah, there was, and again, like that game in '98, we had some good players playing. Yeah. We had some great players playing. But yeah, uh, enough. Yeah, we had, we had uh, some great, we had some great players, and we had John Fennell at twelve. I just and don't someone, really believe in someone genuinely, rugby. right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna rattle, <laughs> rat, I'm gonna run through this rattle, rattle quickly. But there's a prop that I've never even heard of, let alone never saw play rugby. Uh, because he, because not, he doesn't exist. Is it? It's not Christian Lauder. No, no, it's worse than that. So it's Byron Haywood, Garen, Garen Evans, Mark Taylor, John Fennell, David James, Arrow Thomas, Paul John, and then I'm going to go eight down to one. So eight was Kingsley Jones, Colin Charvis, Nathan Thomas, Andrew Moore, Ian Goff. Nathan Thomas, fucking hell. I know. Ian Goff, John Davis, the Scarlet Prop, yeah, Prop Barry Williams. And then the loose head was someone called Mike Griffiths, and I've never heard of Mike Griffiths, let alone yes. Yeah, yeah. No idea that. Well, no, you made them all up. Yeah. <laughs> never happened. CGI. Um. Was it Mike Griffiths? I was like, he was a lion. I've never heard of him. Hang on. I'm sure Mike Griffiths was a lion. I've never heard of Mike Griffiths. He was. He was a lion in 1989. That's it. It was. It was coming to the end of his crease from Astrid Runs there. No idea what the guy is. I mean, he played for Cardiff. No, no idea what the guy is. 
Oh, this well, is only reinforcing my belief that the nineties didn't really happen. It, 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 his father was George Griffiths and his mother was Joy Griffiths. That's how names work. Yeah, that's, it, that's his a, son is, is Joel and Michael and Luke Reese. That's a power. I'm, I'm literally just on his Wikipedia. They're all so Griffiths as well. Yeah. I'm just I just done it as well. No, they're, they're all Griffiths. All well, Griffiths yeah. No idea what the work is. Uh, yeah, come on, be better. Um, <laughs> he spent a long time at Ponty, so um, you've probably upset a lot of Ponty fans for a change. <laughs> They're usually a calm bunch. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's it's difficult. Well, it was good. I, well, I just fuck it. I, I wasn't even that words then. Um, Alfie, I thought was very good in it. Yeah, I agreed. His personality really comes out. He, he shines and stuff like this. <laughs> that was the other. That was the other bit. The the Alfie conversation when he when Gareth Jenkins rings him when the story's about to break. And he's like, he doesn't want to say that Alfie's gay. He's like, well, uh, Gareth, you know, cause, you know, you know, you know, Gareth, because like, there's a story, and uh, you and, are uh, as and, you uh, are, yeah. <laughs> you are gay. <laughs> but, like, oh, maybe especially don't play Gareth. Is it? No, no, I'm playing. And uh, the way that he says, like, all the players kind of embraced him, and it was like, well, he's still Alfie. Nothing's changed. It's fucking great because yeah. I know. It wasn't really that long ago, but it's still long enough to go with a group of uh, professional athletes. And so you're thinking, oh, how are they going to fucking, how would they have taken to this? So it's yeah. great to say, like, no one had a problem no. at all. That was fucking brilliant. You can see that despite him not wanting to say it, he clearly did not like Mike Ruddock. They did yeah. not get on. And he yeah. just said, Mike, I do respect you as a coach. <laughs> and I think when you say, I do respect you, and then you've got to have a specific scenario in which you respect someone, <laughs> you don't you don't really like him that much. Do respect you as a karaoke singer. <laughs> Outside of that arena, not so much. <laughs> uh, he, I, Alfie, I thought, was very good. He's very funny. Obviously, he's, Alfie's very loud. I never tire of watching the Scrum 5 interview. No. No matter how much you show it to me, I will laugh at Alfie Shogun. We've all got sources. Yeah. Like, that's one of the highlights of, of rugby that's ever happened. Or when he Eddie, sort of but... semi stood out of his seat and he was like, everybody, cameras, listen to me. I did not have a problem with Mike Ruddock's coaching. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like, he, he's. He's pretty, I will say Eddie Butler comes across when you watch a background as a bit of a dick. Yeah. Yeah. Which I I up until now, my biggest issue with Eddie Butler is the way he overpronounces foreign names. Yeah. That's my favorite one, because he's South African. <laughs> like he's not even French. He's <laughs> French on domesticity. Like he, he lived there residency grounds. You don't need to pronounce his name in a French accent because he's from fucking Durban. Like it's just Winnie Antonio. I see, I fuck it. The number of times I've just randomly burst out with Wesley Fafana, just in general life. Just, there's not even rugby on the telly. Powell Vilemse. And then when um, when they did an interview with him in the Six Nations last year and he had cushions on his seti and they were all old French flags. <laughs> I was like, this guy's got issues. No, Nakaitasi. <laughs> Um, I think I've run out of French project <laughs> players now. Oh, there's Bernard Delury, but his name is already French, so it kind of doesn't work. <laughs> but It'd be really funny it... if he called him Bernard Laroux. <laughs> yeah, Bernard Laroux. <laughs> um, 
all in all, it's a, it's a great documentary. I would recommend people watch it. I think it's really good. They said there's one or two things you could pick fault with. There's one or two things that they, they didn't really find. So we don't really learn anything more about the Ruddock thing, which is what we really wanted to learn about. Like, it, it's one of those ones. And I know a couple of people who would have either been working at the WIU at the time or who know Mike Ruddock as a personal friend. And I only realised while watching this documentary, I've never asked either of them about what happened. And they'd probably likely tell me. <laughs> So uh yeah, I need to I need to speak to them, I realized. Um but all in all, it's well worth a watch. They say as as far as documentary goes, it's not like the people blew it up to be this like, oh, it's as good as this or that. It's not that good, but it, it it's three hours well worth investing in. Yeah, and, and the other thing is well, I think it just brings that like it brings you back to where you were. So like there was points in there where I'm watching parts of the episode and like <clears throat> I remember the day that Mark Taylor scored the try against South Africa, yeah. like where I was, but like I wasn't watching it, but I was playing tennis in Rumley tennis courts, but I could hear them everyone cheering from the rugby club and stuff. And like where the fact that I <clears throat> might have misled, I'll put it this way, I didn't lie, I might have misled my then manager at my employer at that moment to tell her I had tickets for the Grand Slam game in 2005. So she would let me out and meet my uncle when I actually then got a train home and went to the rugby club with the boys because I wasn't missing it. I didn't want to wait nine to five on a Saturday. Um, so I left at one o'clock. Um, and like where, where, where we were watching the year 2008 game and stuff. Yeah, it was quite good to reminisce and look back at like, what, what we were doing and what I was doing at that moment. So it's um, definitely a good watch. Uh, yeah. And like the, the build up to 2005, I remember 2005 right way to when obviously like it was the, the first Grand Slam. Um. I remember the build-up for days, and I remember to the fact that when we got to the island game, I didn't even feel nervous. Like it, it felt like it was uh, a foregone conclusion. That's probably the only time that's happened to me as a Welsh rugby fan. That's never happened before since when I've gone into a game thinking, "Yeah, we're going to win this." No well, the, the other the other thing I remember, and I completely forgot until I watched it on Saturday night, was literally the night before the England game in two thousand five. I got engaged, so that when I was out watching the game, we ended up technically having that as a bit of a like engagement party and um, to the point where I then argued with her. You can't sort of, claim a Grand Slam as an engagement party. No, no, no. I mean, I mean the England <laughs> game, the, you know, the Henson's kick, like that that, yeah, that, yeah. that game, because I was like, it's, we can have this as our engagement party sort of thing. And then I ended up arguing with her that night because I was more interested in watching Gavin Henson take a kick than go outside and, and like leave and go somewhere else with her. Yeah, that that's the point at which you should have known it wasn't going to work out. I think. Yeah, I should have. Well, I should have known that the year before, mate. To be honest, but thankfully it didn't work. <laughs> Moving on. Um, and, so, and, and, and that wasn't the one I ended up marrying. <laughs> Are you like Stacey from Gavin and Stacey? Yeah, like that's it, yeah I've, only, I've only got two. It's <laughs> more than enough. <laughs> um, I've only got one, and I've barely had that one. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I say all in all, well worth a watch. I would recommend it if you're a Welsh rugby fan. It's great to watch and reminisce. Like if you're not a Welsh rugby fan, it's great to look back at and go, "These guys were fucking rubbish." How the fuck did they end up? The fact that we even finish in the top four of the Six Nations now is is massive when you look at where we were. Yeah. <laughs> um, and on that note, shall we move on to uh, winners and wankers yeah. for this week? So we'll do our wankers first. I actually remembered this week. This is monumental for me that I remembered to do winners and wankers because usually I wrap it all up and go, right, bye, then you hang on. Um, which I also do on the film podcast you mentioned where I forget that we meant to do a judgment every week of which film's best. Um, so we start with wankers. Go on, Wallace, have your wanker. 
um has there been wankers this week like yes do you put like somebody like do I put Hepburn in it for his for his red card against Marla there's no one really that I can pick out and go or oh, you'll definitely be a wanker but um I've got two wankers that I will very definitely say were wankers well more than two because one's a group I, I will just go with Hepburn then Hepburn for his his WWE move on Joe Marla in fact, can I add Joe Marla? And into yet it? again, Simmons gets off. Scott can, fucking free. Can I just add Joe Marla into it? Because I found out the other day that my girlfriend has a fascination with Joe Marla. And uh, yeah, he can be added into When you that. say a fascination, you say in the, that she, she fancies Joe Marla. She has no idea about anything to do with sport unless it's Formula One, apart from the fact she loves Joe Marla and she knows who he is, what position he plays, and the fact he looks good in shorts and he's got a good beard and loves his hair. So yeah. His hair is a little bit like a Formula One car. So maybe that's why it is. That's that's it's she likes streamlining things, yeah. <laughs> if it can go downhill fast, <laughs> she's okay. Uh, Rory, you're your wanker for this week. I'll it's just, like, can I just like a, a nebulous idea of like the Dublin media as it was? Yeah. Phrase, as um, they've had this lovely week where they got to say, you know, oh, look how bad Munster are legitimately because they were really bad, and then they won, and then they're like, oh, fuck, what are we gonna do? <laughs> what, what, what can they write about this week? Nobody's going to read an article that says Ulster uh, lost away at time and that. That's, like, that's not interesting. They've got nothing to say. They're going to they're going to have a bad time. But um, it's just so predictable. Everything they ever do. Um, uh, so yeah, I just obviously there are some good ones. They might this not is... work in Dublin, but generally that's the the way of the world. This is the issue that they've got. Where it's quite regularly alcohol wheels online. And I don't mean Wales Online because I know there's a few very good writers at Wales Online. Ben James, especially. I'm a big fan of Ben James' stuff. But on the whole, uh, Wales Online. It's the uh, format. Like, because the, if you're trying to get clicks, there is a certain thing that everyone knows get clicks. Yeah. Like, in Ireland, everyone knows. If you write Monster are bad or Monster are boring or whatever, people will read that because you'll get the Monster fans that like to be angry and the Leinster fans that like to make fun of Monster. <laughs> Yeah, and then you've got almost half the population there, and with Wales Online, it's the same thing. It's like they're going to have to write certain things because these are the things they know. You know, they can write an article about how in 1998 or whatever, whatever year it was, um, the Scarlets were invited to play in England because London Scotch had gone bust. And it's like, yeah, but that's not. Yeah, you've, you've written this article every single month for the last 14 years. <laughs> we don't need like why, but people will click it, so they do. Yep. Absolutely, and it, it pisses me off. And I do know um, from from other people who say that they're encouraged to sort of bang out, or or they, they because they've got to get clicks. What they'll do is bang out essentially four shit articles with an headline that's going to draw you in or a byline that's going to draw you in, and then that allows you to write the piece that you want to write. So they'll do the ten worst things about Wales right now. And then the other trick is to uh, tweet something provocative and then make an article about all the re- replies you get. Yeah, yeah. Or even, uh, it really pissed me off Why right, you started me now. It really pissed me off this week that one of the tweets that I saw from Wales Online was, uh, look at these pictures of Kate Middleton looking looking fabulous. And I'm yeah, famously what... Wales. I, I think because in one of the pictures she had a Julia McDonald dress and that was the only link. That they she might be the Princess with. of Wales soon, I guess. Technically, I don't know how England works. I don't know what it works either. I know nothing about the Royals. I've got no interest in it at all. Depends on one, depends on who's going to die first, doesn't it? I don't know. <laughs> Or, or, or who has died first. Yeah. I told you she's CGI. That's fucking... <laughs> it's a robot. 
It's, it's Andy Serkis in one of those suits. He's, fucking, <laughs> he's, he's amazing. He's, the things he can't do. Um, my wankers for this week, uh, I'm going in with an easy one first. Uh, Stephen Jones, because that article is fucking horrific. It's absolutely ridiculous. And for an award-winning journalist, he should know better. Fucking dickhead. Um, and my other one is anyone claiming, right, that people choosing not to be vaccinated and then being told that they can't do certain things are being treated the same way as historically persecuted people. Because those people are... It's just massive nonsense from fucking cunts. Like, anyone who... are like, oh... put it in context what you're saying is I'm refusing to do something and then I know I can't do the things that I need this thing to do like complaining about refusing to do a driving test and then the government won't let you drive on the roads and then saying oh it's like fucking Buddhists in China like no fuck off you cunt that's not what it's like like get the vaccination and you can do it if you don't want to get that vaccination that's fine stay away like that's that's not you being massively persecuted against don't try and make it a big thing. But the number of decades I see doing it on Twitter, they can fuck right off. So they're my, they're my, my real wankers for this week because they're fucking killing me at the moment. So on the happier note, Wall, you winner. I have two. So I'm going to put Alfie Barbary in it because it's nice to see that he's back from injury, smashing it again, and Wasps beat Leicester today. First yeah. time Leicester have lost since June. Um, and my other winners of the week, I think genuinely probably the winners of the year already, and we're nine days in is the Australian border force for saying, no, Novak, you can't come in. Well, they're on a winner at the minute because they've, they've made um, Quaid Cooper's allowed in now. Yeah. <laughs> you can stay. And Novak's not. And, and Novak can't, so yeah. I'm, I mean, Australia have always been famously very harsh with borders. So he should just be happy he's not been put on like a prison island. And I, yeah. I did I did hear the other day, and I read that his dad said that he was basically kept in captivity in the Melbourne airport. So I'm waiting for... Border Force Australia to be put up yeah. that that doc that that episode where I can just see Novak being like having all of his tennis racket searched and stuff and oh, look, drug look, swipe mate. just in case and whatever. Look, mate, you can't be bringing apples into Australia and you know this this Novak Djokovic fella. No, you can't have him in your bag. We don't, <laughs> we don't know what what he's got with him. We'll have to quarantine him. It's it's too complicated. Just you know, you should know about this before you come. I did like that they uh, they went down there to protest and we then stood next to protesters who were protesting the immigrants that had been in cup that been held for nine years yeah. without being told either they've got to go home or they can stay and have just spent nine years. Why didn't they just get good at tennis first? <laughs> and then they could say any anyone can come to Australia as long as they're the world's number one tennis player. As long as you're and, good at and the vaccinated. Well, I said like the the guy from Australia who came out and was like, "Well, we've got people who've not been allowed to see their dying parents, or say goodbye to loved ones, and we can't be different in this case." But yeah, maybe if they, like you said, just practice and make them good at tennis, they could have said their goodbyes. That's <laughs> all you need to do. I mean, you will say as well, Novak Djokovic. He's always been very good at returns. And yep. he returned very quickly. Yep. So, if anything, in keeping with his style. Uh, Rory, your, your winners for this week? Um, it's unusual because I genuinely think they're a bit of a joke of an organisation. But Bath, they've won a game. Yes, 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 they have. They've actually won a game of rugby. Now, I don't really believe Worcester exists. I've lived in England like oh, nearly 20 years now. Um, I've never seen Worcester. Well, to be fair, according to my sources, Worcester does exist. 
Okay. If Worcester exists, then that's a very impressive result from them. What's his sources? What's your sources? We've all got sources. Think about it. Think about it. Think about it. I know. I know. I was doing an Alfie joke. He's in. Um, it was quite good, actually. Uh, it was quite good, actually. Um, I, I had a conversation this week with someone who was from Worcester um, about where they're playing their next gig and things and music that they're doing and then found out that they're actually in Worcester, Massachusetts. <laughs> which oh, yeah, is I not, believe that exists. Yeah, that's not travelable for me, though. That's, um, no. But that's something hopefully we'll, we'll see on the pod soon. If, um, if that have gone all the way over there, they might be <laughs> yeah, in trouble for next week. That would be a hell of a wee trip, wouldn't it? There's uh, <laughs> a baseball team in Worcester, Massachusetts called the Woo Sox. <laughs> I just imagine if all those Scottish players who fuck up for Worcester found out that actually they signed for an MLR team that didn't exist yet. Um, my winners for this week one is uh, Reese Patchell for, for making that comeback. It's great to see him back on a pitch playing, and like he's a, he's a fantastic player, so I'm delighted to see it. And then just to keep it really Scarlet centric because we haven't played a game in fucking ages, so I'm really out for Scarlet stuff at the minute. Uh, whoever's in charge of our transfer policy at the moment because they fucking nailed it this week. Like as good a player as Liam Williams is, and I and you know, I've nodded in the past that I'm a big fan of Liam's. It's fair to say it wasn't an area that we particularly needed players. And we're not getting the most out of him at a regional level. So to lose him and then bring in uh a capped all black. And like a genuinely good capped all black, not like when you not like when London Welsh signed Piri Weepu when he was not like, my Brendan Leonard. Yeah, <laughs> I remember being so excited when London Welsh and Piri Weepu, and then he turned up and we was like, "This, this, this, this is not the Piri Weepu I remember." <laughs> like, I don't know who this guy is, but uh... <laughs> he spent all his time in Nando's. Um, so yeah, fair play to to the Scars. I think they've done some fantastic business this week, and it, you know the Blues of. I don't know. I've gone nearly an all episode. Yeah. The Blues have done have done well with their uh, recruitment policy, and uh, but I'm, I'm really pleased with the, the business Scarlets have done this week. And on that note, we'll wrap it up. So, thank you for joining me as usual, Wally. No problem. Thanks for coming on, uh, Rory. It's always great to have you on. Yeah, no bother. And thanks for you for listening. I'll see you soon. Bye now. Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.